Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. From the territories to Titan Towers to TNA and all points in between, he's seen and done it all. And now he's here to share the real story behind wrestling's biggest moments, controversies, and characters. The MLW Radio Network presents... Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? I am absolutely excellent, Mr. Thompson, sir. I got to tell you, man, I, uh, I had a good time with WrestleMania 15 last week. Mostly positive feedback on my end. Uh, what say you? What was your feedback like? I think the majority of the feedback was people informing me that Steve said in his book that he left his vest at home and and how Gorilla Monsoon looked. But uh, other than that, it was pretty much positive. Yeah, the uh, the rumor and innuendo was uh, re- incorrect last week. Uh, Bruce kind of freestyled that he thought Austin had a vest that was supposed to be made ready. Well, it turns out Austin has said several times that in actuality he was having problems at home packed his bag in a hurry and just forgot it and felt like a goof walking to the ring in a t-shirt. But obviously that didn't have any effect on the match. The other thing that we missed in WrestleMania 15, I don't know that we missed it, but we didn't make comment about the somewhat controversial t-shirt that test toward the ring that night where he had a shirt that had a drawing of a gun and it said, guns don't kill people. I kill people. Uh, any sort of, you know, in hindsight that maybe doesn't age that well, but it was a different time. Anything else you want to throw in there? No, it certainly doesn't age well and would never make it past uh, the sensors at the gorilla position today. But no, nothing really else to add on WrestleMania 15. All right, so let's get to what everybody really wants. In an overwhelming majority this week, Rowdy Roddy Piper has won our poll. And uh, we're going to try to do our best to give you the best show possible here today. But I do need to go ahead and give you a little bit of a heads up here at the start of the show. There's going to be parts of the show that you're going to wish that we went in more detail. We're going to come back to it. Uh, For instance, on that would be WrestleMania 12, the backlot brawl. We're going to cover that in great detail when we cover WrestleMania 12. It's not a matter of will we cover it. It's a matter of when. Uh, so we'll we'll discuss it here today, but we're going to go into it in much greater detail on the WrestleMania 12 show. And a lot of you are probably going to be a little upset with us that we're not talking about, you know, the original Piper's Pit in great detail and how it came to be and the war to settle the score and WrestleMania 1 and his boxing match with WrestleMania 2 and WrestleMania 3 with the retirement show. But why won't we be covering all of that, Bruce? I wasn't there. He also wasn't there for WrestleMania 8 with a lot of people's favorite match of Roddy's against Brett the Hitman Hart. So I'm just giving you a heads up. We're going to give you a great show. We're going to give you lots of fun stories that you've never heard before because Bruce was great friends with Roddy. So we've still got a lot of cool stuff coming, but you do need to know Bruce wasn't there for a lot of that stuff. 
so Bruce, kind of catch us up from the beginning. When was the first time you met the Hot Rod? Well, it wasn't the very first time that I met him, but it was the very first time that I was exposed to Roddy, and it was probably mid-1970s, maybe 73, 75, in that area, when Roddy was coming through the Texas Territory, the Dallas Territory that Fritz von Erich had, and Red Bastine was the booker at the time. Roddy had come in, and he was a blonde, skinny kid, not tremendously great physique by any stretch of the imagination. He wore his little dress to the, to the ring with his uh, blowhard pipes that he had there. And uh, that was kind of the running little joke, I guess, Roddy had with everybody. But I would always refer to his kilt as, as a skirt or a dress and always get corrected. Ha, <laughs> yeah, son, you know that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a kilt there, son. <laughs> You're real funny. Uh, yeah, I'll kill you. But uh, Roddy was, you know, Still unique at the time, and, and he was a young kid. The very first match I ever remember seeing Roddy Piper in, he wrestled Blackjack Lanza. And Lanza's finish was the claw. He had a black glove, and he, he used the claw as a finisher. And Roddy got some real heavy juice on this one day, and it was the second match of the night, which was uncharacteristic, too, that you'd get color in the second match of the evening. But Roddy didn't. I even have a picture of Hot Rod coming back from the ring covered in blood. And and that was the very first time I saw Roddy. But where he was etched into everyone's memories in Houston was shortly after his debut, we were having an event in the Fondy Recreation Center in downtown Houston. Normally we ran the Sam Houston Coliseum in Houston, but if that got booked for a multi-day event or a big concert, sometimes we would get bumped and we'd have to go to the Fondy Rec, which was a small neighborhood recreation center. They had, you know, mediocre PA system and what have you. And Paul Bosch, being a war veteran, always had to play the national anthem before any event. So Roddy's in the first match. Roddy's standing in the middle of the ring with his opponent staring across from him. And... They ask everyone to please stand for the playing of our national anthem. I wasn't the announcer, so they actually said national, not natural anthem. And the music started to play, and then it went out. Then it played a little more, and then went out. The national anthem wasn't being played, and that made Paul Bosch very upset. So Paul went to the ring, and he apologized, and he lambasted everybody in the Fondy Recreation Center for their horrible PA system and how dare they desecrate the national anthem, Stars and Stripes, the star-spangled banner. He puts the microphone down and walks over to Roddy Piper, who's standing in the corner with his bagpipes, and says, hey, kid, can you play the national anthem on that thing? And Piper, being very old school, without hesitation, said, yes, sir. And Roddy went to the middle of the ring while Paul held the microphone, and Piper played the star-spangled banner on the bagpipes and brought the house down and saved the day. So that was my first, you know, real, you know, experience with uh, the hot rod, Roddy Piper. Well, so there you go. Um, now, of course, Piper would go on to, uh, you know, make a name for himself in California. He, of course, popped the territory in Portland, was their biggest star there was always in the hot angles and featured acts in mid-Atlantic. 
He winds up in New York. He starts as a heater for Orton and Orndorff, eventually transitioning to being an in-ring performer. Uh, it's probably the top heel in the territory in short order, and a lot of that has to do with Piper's Pit. In retrospect, do you think that Piper's Pit gets the credit it deserves? Yeah, I do. Roddy, Roddy, hell, I stole everything from Roddy and Piper's Pit. But where I don't think Roddy gets the credit is that Roddy Piper was the first heel color commentator. And he did it in Atlanta in the early 80s alongside Gordon Soley. And the way that he did it was, in my mind, absolutely brilliant because he didn't wear the kilt. He, he came out as Rod Piper and was a straight color guy for a long time. And eventually there were some heel tendencies that came out that Roddy started knocking Bob Armstrong and knocking Georgia, knocking Atlanta and Southerners and so on and so forth to where he finally went full-fledged heel with Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, in a program with, with Bob Armstrong. And then after the program with Armstrong and several others, they eventually turned him babyface because he was just so damn good on the mic when they had Morocco uh, – not Gordon solely out of his seat and Piper came to his rescue. But, but that's where Piper doesn't get the credit because Piper to me was the best heel color commentator, the business had ever seen. So let's talk about Piper's pit a little bit. When you first see that, do you know that Piper is going to be a megastar or what's the reaction when you see the way he just kind of bowls over Frankie smashes, you know, snooker with the coconut there's so many iconic things that stick out about those early Piper's Pit segments. And then, of course, it would become a little bit of the mold by which all of these in the future would happen, whether it was the Brother Love Show or the Flower Shop or, you know, Beefcake's deal or Paul Bear's deal, on and on and on. I think that anybody that, that watched Roddy in the beginning loved it because he was so off the cuff. You never knew what the hell he was going to do. And... Tradition was thrown out the window. It wasn't the normal. It wasn't the normal interview segment. It wasn't a heel promo. It was a heel cutting promo on a promo on other baby faces and putting other heels over. I, I thought it was just magnificently done on on every level. And then, of course, the the famous Snuka uh, Piper's Pit with the coconut and everything put him on the map. It made him different. It certainly did. And uh, it got everybody talking and it, it just kind of fueled the fire. Um, and, and it became a place where all the major angles happened. Hogan, Andre, the Snooker deal. I mean, so much that people would talk about for years and years. And we can't discount the role that Cindy Lauper played in this whole rock and wrestling connection. Did you ever meet Cindy or work with her? <laughs> I got a good Cindy Lauper story too. Let's hear. Uh, it. We were talking about the Sam Houston Coliseum just a second ago. Well, I was anyway. The Sam Houston Coliseum was adjacent to Jones Hall in Houston, and it was a small theater set up. I don't know. It held maybe two thousand people. I'm not sure what the capacity was. But during the rock and wrestling heyday, Cindy Lauper had a concert at Jones Hall the same night that we had wrestling. The dressing rooms for the Coliseum 
backed up to Jones Hall. And there was a there was a common door that was shared between the two. Now Jones Hall had two sets of dressing rooms. They had dressing rooms on both sides of the stage. However, Cindy didn't want to use the Jones Hall dressing rooms. Her people wanted to use the dressing rooms that were on the Sam Houston Coliseum side, my side of the building I was renting. And in my eyes, she was the enemy because she was working for that evil New York empire and and the (laughs) devil incarnate Vince McMahon. So they come over and kind of tail between their legs and they're like, oh, well, you know, you guys should, uh, should probably know each other, both wrestling. You know, she works, she does wrestling stuff too. And you guys got wrestling going on here tonight and uh cindy would like to use this and and basically i I threw her and her people and everybody out of the coliseum that was my first and and only (laughs) interaction with cindy lopper i never met her years that years after that how many people do you think you've thrown out of buildings over the years (laughs) a few i I figured you were going to say that so this cindy lopper thing at the time catches a lot of fire uh and he even go you know he he has a, an angle where he's physical with her, and he's on with, uh, I think it's McMahon for TNT, and he says something like, if a woman hits me, I hit him back. And it was pretty controversial at the time. Do you remember, I mean, obviously, we're going to paint this with uh, times were different. Dusty hit baby doll, too. Uh, but do you remember there being any sort of um, uneasiness in the business with a man hitting a woman on TV in the mid eighties like this. Unfortunately, there wasn't that much. Yeah. And the, however, I will preface, I'll say that if it was a baby face hitting a heel female, that was okay. <laughs> but if it was a heel that was attacking a baby face, then that was, Oh my God, that there's something wrong with that. But if the bitch is being a bitch, she deserved to get hit. Just saying. And that was the Golly. <laughs> kind of mindset. Hey, hey, bitch going to be a bitch. Bitch needs to get hit. Do you realize who you're doing accidentally right there? What? That's not even like, that's not something he's ever been accused of or anything. So let's, let's move along. No, I'm just doing my, my Southerner. <laughs> that's, your, that's your go-to Southerner? Somewhat. Uh, and then well, you know, the first WrestleMania goes down, uh, lots of controversy around surrounding this and the promotion for it because Mr. T was involved and we're in WrestleMania season right now in 2017. And there's so many people who say that, you know, oh, WrestleMania is not for part-timers. It's not for celebrities. It's for, you know, the guys as a reward for all the hard work they've put in over the years. And I know you weren't there for the first WrestleMania, but Mr. T was, and he was there in the main event. So WrestleMania has kind of always been about mainstream and outsiders and trying to attract as many eyeballs as possible. Wouldn't you agree? It, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's what made WrestleMania stand out is Vince would always say you grow from the, uh, outside in. And I was on the outside of the WrestleMania bubble at the time, but the, thought of putting a Hollywood actor in a ring to compete with professional wrestlers 
was frowned upon by every old timer and every wrestling purist in the world. How dare Vince McMahon put this Hollywood actor in a main event right. against professional wrestlers. So the scuttlebutt on the other side of that coin was, well, you know, if T gets out of hand or uh, the Orndorff and Piper, they're going to have to put him in his place. They're not going to sell for an actor, are they? they? They thought never in a million years can a professional wrestler sell for a Hollywood actor. So there was a lot of scuttlebutt. There, there was so much rumor and innuendo and bullshit going on prior to the first WrestleMania with allegedly promoters and old timers in the business making offers to, to Piper and Orndorff to, to hurt uh, Mr. T in the match, to embarrass him and beat the shit out of him in the match. Well, now, let's talk about that. Why are you hitting us with allegedly? Did it happen or did it not happen? It's been 30 well, years. I, well, I don't, I don't know if it, I don't know if it did or not, but you know, there were, there was always rumor and scuttlebutt that, you know, Vern and, and Bill Watts and, um, uh, just different guys like that were saying, yeah, well, you know, what if if guys uh, just took business into their own hands? They'd always have a place here. Well, okay, I hear that, but you were boys with Piper. Did he ever tell you that somebody extended such an offer? He told he told me about, you know, there was the offer with Vern uh, and Iron Sheik with Hogan back in the time. Yeah, in 84. Um, no, I don't know that Roddy and I ever really discussed any specific things. I know that he... He spoke about how what he wanted to do. Roddy did not like Mr. T. He's been very public about that, and that seemingly never got fixed. They never really saw eye to eye. He felt, Actually, they did. Yeah, they did before he died. Well, he was shitting on him at WrestleMania 30, I'll tell you that. But that's that's where they that's where T got inducted into the Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they kissed and made up that night. Oh, that's very cool. That's good to hear. And, uh, I, yeah, I'll tell you that whole story when we get there. It was, uh, cause Roddy, Roddy told me all about that. Well, let's just do it now. Mr. Uh, Roddy was there. Roddy was there with his son, Cole. He, and as, as we said, Roddy despised Mr. T felt he had no, no place in the business, felt that T didn't respect the business. And there, there was just mutual hatred there. So when T went into the Hall of Fame, uh, all the way up into it, you know, Piper was dead set, and he was very vocal about it. But he told me the story that the night that T was inducted, he had his family there. Uh, Mr. T had his had his son there and had his several members of his family. His whole family was there. Yeah, he his, had an entourage. Right, his whole family. But Roddy had his son with him. And as they were leaving... They were in the back, and Mr. T and and had done that speech talking about his mama. Yeah. On Mother's Day. On Father's Day. And my mother. I pity the fool. Roddy was, they kind of ran into each other. And he said Mr. T was in front of him. And he said he looked at T with his family and looked over at at his son. And he said he felt just kind of small. And he said he went over and, and, and grabbed T and pulled him off to the side and said, you know what? I've never liked you. <laughs> His only Roddy can do. Uh, just explained that he never really 
really cared for him, but he saw him with his family and he could respect family. And he said he was here with his son. He goes, I see you here with your family and I just want to bury our past and put it all behind us. And, and can we make an attempt to be friends? And he said that T was completely cool with that. And they basically hugged and made up right at that point. And Roddy told me, sitting down in Irma's in downtown Houston, just how it was at that moment, it was like a, a huge weight lifted off of his shoulders. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning. It had been 30 years since the first WrestleMania. So certainly Hot Rod could hold a grudge. Well, that certainly seems that way. So let's kind of talk through, um, the Mr. T thing, because at the time, man, he was, he was letting some pretty controversial stuff fly. He said something about T, something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing. He wears more chains than his ancestors. Uh, wow. That doesn't age well wow. and lots of heat. Um, and, and he had, you know, as we've talked about, a lot of animosity towards working with this celebrity. And he's coming in here, you know, trying to take food off my table. And ultimately, Piper refuses according to rumor and innuendo to lose, uh, and take the pinfall, even though he's the guy with all the heat at WrestleMania. And he said in the WWF DVD quote, I got kids. The way I feed my children is how much money I can make. I wouldn't lay my shoulders down for anybody. Do you remember him always having, and through the, the rest of the show, I'm sure some of this will come out, but it seems to me as if he always had a chip on his shoulder and some would say it was due to the way he was ribbed the first time he was at the garden or, and I'm sure we'll talk about that or, you know, the way he grew up, that he grew up kind of rough, but it feels as if he was very difficult to deal with, with promoters and untrusting of folks and, um, maybe wasn't always in the right mood to do what's best for business. So to speak, can you speak to that? Roddy definitely had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he, he was a smaller guy in a big man's business, but he, you know, he had the gift of gab and the son of a bitch drew money. He drew money and he made money. So he couldn't be denied. And I think that sometimes Roddy was put in a position that he felt, well, not sometimes Roddy always felt he had to defend himself. He didn't trust anybody. And he had very few friends. When I say very few friends, he had a lot of friends, but he had probably few friends that he could really trust and confide in. And from roughly 19, I don't know, maybe 1990, 1989 on, um, I'm proud to say that I, I may have been one of those friends because we, we had many, many, many deep deep conversations over the years, but he just, yeah, he walked around with a chip on his shoulder. He, he felt that he was all, the only one that was looking out for Roddy Piper was going to be Roddy Piper. Roderick Toombs is the only guy looking out for Roddy Piper. So yeah, he fought for it, man. He, he really did. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't think anybody else was going to look out for him. This mother's day and father's day, look no further for the perfect gift than paintyourlife.com. It's worked for me every time. And when I say every time, I mean it. I've used paintyourlife.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad, 
even my father-in-law. And right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law all from painterlife.com. My mother-in-law's life is her dog, Missy. And this year, my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for mother's day, a painting of Missy. It really is that simple too. All we needed was a, a picture from our phone. Boom. We're up and running. You see, painterlife.com can really create a hand painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it, as I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful, personable gift, I know the painterlife.com has my back and they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about painterlife.com is they can even combine photos. Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam. You're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson. Painterlife.com. That can become a reality. You can put people and places together. Even if they've never been there, you pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks, but you work hand in hand with the artist to get every detail. Perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion. That's what I got. And I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at painterlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. Now, to get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 87204. That's WRESTLE to 87204. Text WRESTLE to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, and that seems like uh, a little bit of a theme with him. Uh, of course, we know that Mr. T and Roddy Piper had a boxing match, WrestleMania two, And then there's the famous WrestleMania three match with uh, Adrian Adonis. Uh, we're doing some strutting and cutting after the match and giving a haircut. And then we're off. And I'm curious because this is where you kind of come into the story and into the fold with the WWF starting right after WrestleMania three. So when you get there, Roddy's gone and he'd be away for two years and he leaves to make the movie they live and supposedly try his hand at acting in Hollywood. From your perspective, like when your early conversations on the inner circle with Vince McMahon, what's the talk? What's the tone? What's the narrative about Roddy Piper? They're happy he's gone. He was difficult to deal with and they put a spin on it. He was burnt out. Uh, they felt like they had done all they could creatively. It was Roddy's call. They were happy he was gone. It was mutual. What really happened? Well, again, this is this is secondhand. I give you what 
Vince's perspective was to me was simply that Roddy had an opportunity in Hollywood. Roddy wanted to pursue that. He felt that he had done all that he needed to do in the wrestling business at that time. And Vince was in a position, especially after WrestleMania three, that he felt, well, you can't do both. Um, you either are going to go and, and chase your Hollywood dreams, or you're going to stay here and be Roddy Piper. Roddy chose Hollywood and Vince was okay. Great. Good luck. We'll give you a good send off. Thank you for everything. And you know, best of luck to you. And they promoted, they promoted, they live and they promoted his different projects over that period. But the feeling that I got was that Roddy really wanted to break away from wrestling and that Roddy wanted to become an actor. He wanted to go to Hollywood. That's what he wanted. That was a passion of his. What communication, if any, do you have with him in 87 and 88 before he returns in 89? Zero. So he comes back and makes his first appearance back on March 19th, 1989. Uh, and he does this on a brother love show segment. He has roughly an 11 minute segment with you where he ended up slapping you and hip tossing you. And this is his return after a two year absence. So curious through the thinking, this was in Denver, by the way, uh, and everybody wants to act like everything was sold out every night, hanging from the rafters. They drew 4,000 people in Denver here. Just throwing it out there. Uh, catch me up. Oh, shit. They must have advertised me then. Normally, if they know I'm not going to be there, it would be much better, but you uh, know. Curtain Jerker match that night is Blue Blazer taking on Ron Bass, which you know that gives you an idea of the time frame we're in. And the main event, it was Andre the Giant and Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, anyway, catch me up. When you find out that he's wanting to come back or negotiating to come back, when do you hear about that? What's the feeling? How's his reception? And then ultimately, why do they say, oh, got to bring him back on the Brother Love Show? Well, there, there's a lot more to it than, than that. It was WrestleMania season. We're gearing up for WrestleMania 5. Brother Love was, as a character and on TV, uh, I was at one of the hottest points in my career as a character. So Vince really wanted to feature Brother Love on WrestleMania. A lot of different, uh, you know, wanted to do a celebrity guest, wanted to do something outside of the box and, and feature that character in a different way. We found that Morton Downey Jr., who was a talk show host, a syndicated talk show host, Jerry Springer stole a lot of his stuff from Morton Downey Jr., but Morton Downey Jr. was very controversial. He was the hottest thing on TV at the time. We had an in with Morton Downey Jr.'s people, and he was interested in doing the Brother Love show at WrestleMania. So Vince pitched me, what if we do a brother love show with Morton Downey Jr. as your guest? And I was like, oh, my God, that, that would be excellent. I'm just beyond, you know, over the moon. I'm happy as shit. Uh, I get to do brother love with a celebrity and the hottest talk show guy in the world. So time goes by, and, and I'm thinking about this, and then I get called in. I, I'll never forget sitting in Vince's office. And he says, uh, got some news for you, pal. 
There will be no Brother Love show at WrestleMania. And my heart sinks. Because you just thought, I mean, everybody would imagine it's over. We got, I mean, the show's over. We got to, we got to have that. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm sick because it's WrestleMania here. I think I'm going to be in a featured spot with Morton Downey. And he says, there will be no WrestleMania or there will be no brother love at WrestleMania, pal. And he says, uh, instead, I'm going to do, uh, Piper's Pit. And I'm like, fuck. You know, this guy leaves, goes off to play fucking Hollywood actor, and now you're going to bring him back and give him my spot with Morton Downey. And then he's like, I'm going to have Piper and uh, I'm going to do a Piper's Pit with uh, Morton Downey. And Brother Love. And I'm just like, oh, my God, my dream, uh, you know, it's, it's doing it with Morton Downey. That that was cool for mainstream. But the performer in me, the guy that I stole all my shit from, <laughs> the guy I patterned a lot of my stuff after, Roddy Piper, now I'm going to be on Piper's Pit. So I just was ecstatic. I says, uh, I won't let you know, Hot Rod. I said, I, I don't. I said, I you know, watched him as a kid, but when I started here, he was gone. Okay, well, I need you to uh, go on out and, and meet Roddy, and uh, we're going to put you guys on uh, the Denver show coming up. I booked him. And come up with something you'd like to do, and then we can lay all that out. And you go out to Denver and uh, pitch hot rod. So I'm like, what the fuck? I don't, you know, I don't know him. Now, I've heard all the rumor and innuendo. He's difficult to deal with. He right. hates, hates when people impersonate him. Now, he doesn't like that at all there. So that's what I do. That's my gig. I do hot rod. So I think about it a little bit, and, and I pitch I pitched Vince essentially what we did at WrestleMania five. I see. where I go out and I impersonate Piper and I do it to his face and I talk about how he really copied me and blah, 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 and all this other shit. And he's like, great. Sell it to hot rod. So I get on the plane. I go to Denver. First time I was ever in Denver too. You ever been to Denver? I have. How was your breathing there? Uh, I'll tell you this, uh, when I went to bed, they said, take a couple of bottles of water with you. I'm like, I don't really need that. I don't really do that. They're like, well, I'll just take them just in case. Yeah, it's different. Okay. Well, imagine being in Denver for the first time, being hyped up beyond belief. And then you've got to go in, you've got to go in and, and, and pitch the guy who you kind of idolize on something that you know, he's not going to like. Because he hates when people impersonate him and then go out and do it in front of a crowd in Denver where I wasn't believe that I know this hard to believe, but I wasn't in the best shape of my life. (laughs) And I'm working with Roddy Piper. So we get there. Jack Lanza was the agent that night and I'll never forget it. I, I go in and I take my bag in 
and I put it in in the locker room, and Lanza comes in and says, hey, Bruce, no, come here. Uh, Vince told me to put you and Roddy, uh, get your own place. Uh, so now I, I walk out of the locker room with my bag where everybody else is dressing. I go across to a, a private dressing room, which is the same size as the dressing room <laughs> that everybody else is in, but it's just me and Roddy. So Roddy shows up, Lance introduces us, and Roddy likes to touch people. And what I mean by that is he like he, he almost pets you when he's talking to you. Kind of like strokes your hair, he, he, he rubs your shoulders and rubs your arms. <laughs> nice to meet you there, son. Yeah. Oh, so tell me a little bit about your gimmick there. What what what, what is it? Well they, they 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 tell me I've heard I've heard about you. They they tell me you you do kinda like what I used to do there a little bit. Probably just not as good there. But uh yeah, tell me about yourself. And so I'm um, I'm explaining the gimmick and um so on and so forth. I said, what do you want to do tonight there, son? I said, well, Vince wanted me to pitch you on on what we'll do tonight is kind of a prelude to see if it works to what we may do at WrestleMania. And we, we've secured Morton Downey Jr. And he wants to do a, a Piper's Pit with uh, me and, and Morton Downey. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, so what do you well, what you got in mind there? I said, well, I actually, um, I, I, I kind of do you. <laughs> that, that's nice, man. That, that's real good, there, son. So, so go ahead and show me, show me what it is you do there. And I went through the segment where I I would introduce him and and. Uh, and bring him out and make fun of they live and and I would ask questions, but I would answer the questions as Roddy with him in the ring. And he's looking at me, just kind of staring at me. He says, So I'm standing there, right? I'm in the ring with you now, right? Okay. I just tried to figure out where we're gonna be standing, everything there, son. And you ask me a question, but you answer and you talk like you're doing there right there, right now. Okay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's just go out there and do it. Let's have some fun. See what happens. And I'm like, oh fuck, he hates it. So now I have really no idea beyond the opening what I've got, other than I'm going to go out and spar with Roddy Piper in front of a live crowd in Denver. And we go out. I do the opening thing, and out of nowhere, on the third time, he was supposed to uh, snatch the microphone from me. And instead of snatching the microphone from me, he ends up slapping the holy living fuck out of me. If there hadn't have been a second rope in the ring, I would have been on the floor. And I caught myself and I thought, okay, you got a choice here. You can either just tuck your tail between your legs or you can jump up and spar. And I got right back in his face and we went on and we, we finished the segment and uh, did a little deal, a little hip toss and he beats the shit out of me and we're gone. And I come back, and I'm nervous as shit because I don't know. He caught me by surprise with the slap and blah, 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 and the physicality, and I wasn't sure if he liked it. And he walks in the door and goes, ha, ah, that was great there, son. You're pretty good. And we were cool. 
he slapped the fuck out of me, and I didn't make a big deal about it. So he was no, nice I did. I got back in his face, which he liked. Did, okay, did you hit him back? No, brother, love. Uh, exactly. Hey, I'm, I'm just the, 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 uh, hey, no, Conrad, you don't understand. The character wouldn't hit him back. Now, Bruce, my God, that might have been a different than no. Fuck no. Isn't it a weird business? Yeah. It's a weird guy slaps the fuck out of me and almost knocks me out, but uh, and you're we're happy. And you're hoping he's not you're, he's not mad <laughs> I'm at hoping you. He's not hot. <laughs> he beats the shit out of you, and you're like, I hope he's not mad. It's great. Yeah, exactly, man. I'm a kid. I'm like, uh, Mr. Piper, everything okay? So before we and before we talk before we talk about uh, WrestleMania five, I want to talk about the brother love skit where he gets you down in a compromising position with less clothes than maybe normally we saw on brother love but first let's talk about they live you know we mentioned that he left for they live uh, that movie came out in november of 88 and then he's back with the company by march of 89 do you think I mean, why do you think the timing of that made so much sense obviously he needs to be out to film it and then probably wants to rest up and try some other things. And then he wants to work, you know, media to promote the movie. Uh, it, it does turn a profit. They made it for like 3 million bucks. John Carpenter did, and it makes about 13 million at the box office. It's still very well reviewed over at rotten tomatoes getting 84%. Uh, do you think that he expected this movie to be a bigger hit? He thought it would spin off into other stuff. He missed the business. He needed a payday. Why so quickly, November to March, is he right back into wrestling? Well, it was actually, I mean, he was away for two years. It was really, he was away from March 87 until... No, I get that. I mean, as far as the release of the movie, do you think it was maybe a disappointment to him and he thought, this isn't drawing huge money, I need to go back? No, to the contrary. It was a a one-off for WrestleMania. And Vince reach out because of the popularity of the movie. There we go. That's what I wanted. Yeah. And it was here. Roddy was, and, and the movie was a big cult classic. It was very well received, but especially for wrestling fans and Piper fans, man, they loved it. So it was an opportunity. It was really in Vince's mind in a way it was brother love with two outsiders. Mm-hmm. So I had I had two celebrities from outside the business and Roddy Piper and Morton Downey. So talk me but, through. But Piper was the bigger name and bigger draw. In your opinion, even than Morton Downey at that time. Yes, for that audience, yes. Oh, for sure, for that audience. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the movie itself. What did you think of the movie? What did the boys think about it? Is it something that is championed like, hey man, one of us made it? Uh, is it viewed on the level with Hogan's Rocky appearance? Uh, kind of compare and contrast those two or just the way the movie was received. What do you think of the movie? Give me some They Live feedback. For the most part, I think everybody enjoyed it and was happy to see one of the boys make it. The difference between Hogan and Rocky Three and Piper in They Live was Hogan was a cameo and Piper was the star of the movie. Correct. So Piper actually had some acting chops, and I thought he did really well in it. The overall consensus was simply that, hey, man, one of the boys made it, and people were happy for him. But I think, you know, overall, they didn't really compare 
Hogan to Piper. If they did, it was uh, Piper to Hogan and, and No Holds Barred, but with Roddy getting the nod there on the acting chops. What, Had uh, a little bit better material to work with. Well, what, do, you, do you remember ever talking about the movie with Vince? What did Vince think of They Live? You know what? I don't know that we ever really had the conversation about They Live. He was happy for Roddy's success because Roddy's success, no matter what, was going to reflect back on the WWF. So that was good for Vince. So chat me up. Uh, Let's hear about this Brother Love segment where Roddy Piper gets you down to your skivvies. Well... We uh, we get together, and we got together that weekend beforehand. With I had worked with Morton Downey at this point several times. We had done a lot of the promos for WrestleMania Five, and we had Morton had come to our studios in Stanford, and me, Vince, and Morton had met. So I had had a chance to be around him for extended period of time, and had laid everything out to him ahead of time. Morton Downey was a little bit of, you know, he was a different cat. He was he was on top of the world at that time, and he was the darling of that afternoon, you know, talk show genre. So he was pretty cocky. He believed his own press. Very nice man. But I just got that sense that he knew better. No matter what you said to him, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'll do, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was, it was, I wasn't sure what the hell I had there. So, you know, Roddy and I talked several times, and, and Roddy hadn't met Morton. So he was leery, just leery of anybody outside, and, and I expressed my concerns with Roddy, and especially my concerns of, once I left that dynamic, it was just Roddy and Morton out there. I wanted to make sure that Roddy knew what the hell he was dealing with. So um, we just talked several times that weekend, and then we finally got got with Morton. The three of us finally got together uh, that morning. The morning of WrestleMania was the first time all three of us got together and laid out the segment. It was... Interesting. Let's just put it that way. Because I had two very strong personalities, um, both a lot older than me. Well, Roddy's 10 years older than me, and and Morton was older than Roddy. And here I am, a a 20, what was I, 25, 26-year-old kid laying out this segment. How crazy is that? To these these two guys and stuff. And and Vince, Vince was clever in how he dealt with Roddy. Vince usually, at least, at least my experience with, with Vince and Roddy, Vince always used me as a buffer with Roddy. And I dare say that he, he probably did that for for most of his time with Hot Rod because he, I don't know, man, it was a love-hate relationship between Vince and Roddy. So I just laid it out, man, and, and I got a lot of yeah, 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 yeahs out of Morton Downey and, and Roddy – just nodding like, yeah, I got this. And then we went out and and did the deal. And once I left, uh, the wheels kind of fell off the bus. So tell everybody what you mean when you say the wheels kind of fell off the bus. 
Well, once uh, Piper took the little skirt off of me and I ran and was in my little red bikini underwears, as Pat Patterson would say, he's in his underwears. Um, The bit with Downey and Piper was supposed to essentially be two lines, blow smoke in the face and Roddy take the fire extinguisher out and uh, blow the fire extinguisher in Downey's face and get the hell out of there. When I left, I'm standing up at the gorilla position with my knees all bloody from taking a bump on the way up. And we're 14 minutes in after I left. And Vince is looking at me, God damn, pal, how long is this going to go? I'm like, I don't know. They should have been gone a long time ago. I don't know what the hell they're doing. But they started verbally sparring with each other and one trying to one up the other one. And Roddy taking his sweet-ass time and Downey not hitting the the blow-in-the-smoke cues. And it just got brutal. And then when Piper finally did hit him with the uh, fire extinguisher and Morton Downey trying to grab Piper's ankles and kept coming, if you you watch the video there, you see Roddy going up the aisle. You can see in the background Morton Downey Jr. trying to come up after him. But... And you kind of half-ass see it, but you'll see like Terry Garvin and maybe Jack Lanz or Rene Goulet or somebody, but they intercept him pretty quick <laughs> and keep him down down by the ring while Piper made his exit. Because we just had a loose cannon. We didn't know what the hell was, was going to go on. I don't know that Vince really, uh, really liked that segment that much. But, of course, when Roddy got back after going, you know, 20 minutes heavy... <laughs> God damn, pal, that was good. Thank you, pal. God damn, good to see you back. Bruce, what the fuck was that? <laughs> God damn, pal, you got to have more control than that. Hypothetically, uh, back in 1989, was Brother Love hitting in that dank at WrestleMania 5? <laughs> okay. It's been a long time, Bruce. It's okay to tell the story. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's all good, man. Run Love had a hell of a run. You want to move on now? Let's go ahead and move on, yeah. <laughs> run Love had a hell of a run. Brother, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. I, I was awake for many, many days, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a hell of a run. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Uh, so let's fast forward. We get to August of 1989 and Roddy has been working house shows leading up to this with a variety of guys. Uh, you would often see him working matches, uh, with Randy Savage and, uh, always in the main event that's worth mentioning, but he had worked a series of matches with Randy Savage. He had worked with Ted DiBiase. He's all over the place working on top, uh, as a babyface. And now in August of 89, they're going to put him into an angle. And this angle, I don't feel like we ever got a real payoff on, but we'll beat it up. He's programmed with you on the Brother Love Show, and he is contending that you have bad breath. So he brings out like floss and toothpaste and mouthwash. And a few minutes later, Bobby Heenan appears long enough to distract Piper and then Rick Rude shows up and throws mouthwash in his eyes, gives the rude awakening to Piper, and then spits mouthwash at him until several officials 
come haul him off. And this is leading to a major angle. What are your memories of putting this together and uh, these two guys and their feud? The memory, here's here's my memory, that um, Vince was was trying to rib me with the, the uh, shaving kit that they used. That was Vince's shaving kit. Okay. Okay. And so they, they were trying to rib me with the toothbrush and different things and, and, uh, you know, sticking it and stuff and all kinds of crap. But I don't know what, what all they had planned, but I do know this, that Piper protected me in that and didn't do any, didn't use any of the stuff that they had gimmicked. So hats off to Roddy for not, uh, not fucking with me. But it, it was give me an idea of what they had gimmicked up. Oh, they'd gimmicked up the toothbrush and uh, what was he going to do a, with that? I don't know. Shove it up somebody's ass or something. <laughs> I, I really I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. But but Roddy was like, going, hey man, he goes, they were fucking with you on this." Wait, 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 wait. You're skipping over all the good stuff. So let's set the scene. I want to hear what it might have sounded like. When Vince calls Roddy into his office, reaches down into his bag, pulls out a shaving kit, and presents to him the idea with what he's supposed to do with Brother Love and this toothbrush. What might that have sounded like? Goddamn, we got the... We, here, here's my... Here, here, goddamn, Rob. Here, use my kit. This is my shaving kit. Okay, what do we got? We got a toothbrush in here, some shaving uh, cream, some goddamn... Uh, oh, yeah, toothpaste. Use a toothpaste. And, and, yeah, and here's some... Uh, mouthwash and just you know, stick it, stick it up, stick it up his ass and then shove it in his mouth and then God damn, and then you, and then you, you get this and you put it in his hair, mess his hair all up and smear the, the toothpaste all over his face, get it in his eyes. Just crying now. And then, and then when Rude comes out and you'll take that and you gargle with the, with the mouthwash right in your face. The, what I like best about that story is sodomizing you with a toothbrush is the appetizer. The payoff is mouthwash in the eyes. <laughs> mouthwash in the eye, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, Roddy, Roddy was Roddy was cool, and and he uh, Roddy always took good care of me on, <laughs> on that shit. With you know, no sodomy from Hot Rod. Bonus. Bonus indeed. Bonus indeed. So. Um, but yeah, it was just set up the, the Rick Rude deal. So let's fast forward. Uh, SummerSlam is at 1989, of course, at the Meadowlands. We're going to cover that one day in the future. I'm pretty fired up about it. We've talked about it a little bit here and there. Uh, but in this uh, show is where we see Piper make his uh, appearance from the back and Moon, the champ, um, and Ultimate Warrior, becomes the Intercontinental Champion, pinning Rick Rude. So this furthers um their feud but i'm curious if you've got a talent like roddy piper why don't you put him in a match here don't know doesn't that seem weird in hindsight that roddy piper's on the roster but he's there to moon rick rude and nothing else yeah okay that's all i got yeah i mean really it's just one of those, you know, time and place, and what are we going to do? And and let's further this story with Rude, but we don't really have a place that Roddy's going to be that's going to make sense. They continue this angle by having Piper do television tapings where 
uh, Rude would do his rude awakening on a woman, and then Piper would later go to ringside after his match, and he would kiss the same woman, and the woman would faint. Uh, so they continue to build to this, and they start working matches around the loop uh, in September, and that's where you start to see the payoffs at house shows. Uh, and then we get to... Um, I'm not exactly sure when this segment happens. I think it's November. When does the segment happen with you and Piper where he has you with a rope on the Brother Love show? You know, it's funny. I I forget. I don't know. Um, But I remember the segment well. And we... I, I think it aired in November, but I'm not sure when you guys would have taped it. But I don't even remember what the hell the, the whole thing behind it was. But I do remember we, we got back there and, and it was, okay, Roddy has got to kidnap Brother Love and humiliate him. So we, we, sat, we sat there talking of just stupid shit to do and came up with the diaper deal. How about but, Topeka, Kansas on Halloween? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. That's okay. probably right. That's probably right. So the we got some uh, big ass Depends diapers, you know, for adult diapers, and they just look like they look like I was wearing white tights. So it didn't it didn't really look good. He <laughs> like Mister Wrestling too. Yeah, basically. So it didn't didn't really work, and um, Vince had towels in his office, you know, stacked up in his office by the showers, and so. I said, it'd be nice if I had like, you know, one of those big old cloth diapers, kind of like baby Huey. Uh-huh. And I took a towel and I put it between my legs. And I said, what if, you know, we did this and we tried to get one of those um, big ass uh, giant safety pins. Right. And they, they got us one, but they're gimmicks. So they don't actually stick through anything. So we couldn't get the damn thing to go through the. The towel and all this shit. So we decided to do that, and I actually held the towel up, the diaper, with tape, and I took my suspenders, my brother loves suspenders, and put them over to hold the the towel up so that it would stay up during the segment. <laughs> and then and then we took my my rose, you know, the lapel rose, and we pinned that to one of the suspenders. We went ahead and put my tie on, messed my hair up a little bit. And we had to we had to go out the match before the segment. They snuck us out so that Roddy could come from behind the set is a surprise. And they covered me up with a giant sheet. Yeah, you like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Right. And when we went out, Roddy was under the sheet too until right before the segment. So here you got Roddy Piper. And Brother Love underneath a giant sheet, and Brother Roddy's in a dress, and Brother Love's in a diaper, and we're just sitting there bullshitting while we're waiting for the match before us to finish so that we can finally get up. And I couldn't see a thing. So I'm tripping on my way up and, and trying to get up the damn stage. And But that that one was fun. That was that was a trip. How crazy is it, too, that that's not on the network? I Exactly. They, I, what's crazy is they don't have superstars and challenge on the network. There was some great stuff on those shows. Yeah, it, it was it was on superstars, and uh, it's actually on YouTube. It'll probably be down as soon as I mention that, but it's up there if you'd like to see it. And it's 
a pretty famous photo that a lot of people tweet us all the time of you in the adult diaper. Uh, but November 25th is when it aired in 1989. So throw that in your Google machine. If you'd like to see Brother Love half naked, I don't know why you want to. Uh, let's fast forward. Why the hell wouldn't they want to? And it was not a rib that uh, Survivor Series 1989 was a huge success. Uh, Thanksgiving night, and of course, they're doing some counter-programming here, still in their feud, what's left of it, with WCW. Jim Crockett Promotions, of course, is gone by this point. But that's the reason Survivor Series was invented. Uh, And of course, in our Roddy Piper match, we've got Rick Rude captaining one team and Roddy Piper on the other side. Typical Roddy passion. Roddy for you to say typical Roddy fashion. Uh, he does not get pinned. He gets counted out. Uh, any memories of survivor series 89 and this Rick rude team, Roddy Piper team. You've got Jimmy Snuka in the match, the Bushwhackers, uh, the Rougeau brothers, Mr. Perfect. It's a star studded affair. Yeah, it is. And, and Roddy really during that time, he enjoyed it. I, I'm not sure that rude and Piper always got along that well. Why is that? I think they, they were very similar in a lot of ways. They, they both kind of had a chip on their shoulder, and neither one would, would back down from the other. So they were, they were constantly butting heads. But two great talents, and, and you're going to have that sometimes. And uh, on the loop here in the house shows, Piper is not losing. Uh, he's, defe- he's winning a lot of matches by pin, but even more by uh, disqualification, count out, stuff like that. But... Uh, they're doing every sort of gimmick, whether it's lumberjack matches, steel cage matches, every type of match. Do you think you get to a point with an opponent sometimes, Bruce, that you just you're just sick of that motherfucker? You're just tired of him. Yes, yes, <laughs> without a doubt. You get you get tired of of traveling the and you walk in the locker room and it's the same faces staring back at you, and you got to go out in the ring and do the same match with the same guy. And it gets old after a while. So it it feels like he starts to kind of stall a little bit in his return. Of course, we talked about him coming back, you know, for WrestleMania five. And, um, you know, now we're into 1990 and it doesn't feel like a whole lot's happening with him. We've booked him into this feud now with bad news Brown, which we covered briefly in our WrestleMania six episode uh, but it, as we start the year, he's still working a ton of matches against Rick Rude. When and why is the decision made to pivot away from Rude and and start to look at, hey, what about bad news? I just think it's time. You know, every every issue, every angle runs its course. So it, it was time, and it was time to move on. I know that. Obviously, Bad News was looking for something, Piper being a top guy, and, and Bad News wanting to work with a top guy. And I don't think that uh, that Roddy was adverse to it. I think he kind of welcomed that challenge and that opportunity to work with Bad News. And that decision is made in mid-February, or so it would seem, because on February 12th, he's working with Rick Rude, and then the very next day at a Superstars taping on February 13th, uh, he's wrestling an enhancement talent and challenges bad news and does a promo about his WrestleMania six match later in that same show, or I guess that same tour, uh, they were in Tucson on Valentine's day, February 14th. And this time they have bad news. Go ahead and do a promo about Piper. But then when it's Piper's turn to retort 
and do a promo, he's got his face painted half black. Now, of course, we would see him do this again at WrestleMania 6. And in hindsight, a lot of people would say, eh, maybe not the best look. But I don't know that everybody remembered that he didn't just do it once. He did it multiple times. Was Do you remember any significant conversation about whether or not that was a good idea? You know, the conversation was essentially Roddy being Roddy. And that was an idea that Roddy had, that Roddy felt was relevant. And news wasn't against it. So it's kind of goes to the adage, well, he said it was okay. Right. <laughs> so it must be okay. Um, hindsight and looking at it today, I just think it was in poor taste. You, you couldn't do that today. Obviously wouldn't do that today. I would hope not. But I don't know that I certainly didn't know at the time that he was going to do the whole body thing at WrestleMania. And that was something I guess he had discussed with news and something he had discussed with Vince and, and they were all cool with it. But, you know, we went, we visited that in the WrestleMania six. It's available in the archives right now. Uh, towards the end of February, they do the main event three, uh, the NBC taping. It would ultimately draw a 12.8 rating, and it was at the Joe Louis Arena, which recently held its last WWE event for a Monday Night Raw. And on there, Piper uh, fought Rick Rude to a double DQ in a Lumberjack match. This is the one where famously, we've talked about this a little bit several times now, Buster Douglas is involved. But when we fast forward to the next television taping in March, uh, Piper has his face painted half black again. <laughs> this one's taped uh, March 6th. It would air on March 31st. And we continue to build this feud. And ultimately, WrestleMania 6 comes around. That whole match is in our archives if you'd like to check it out. Uh, but let's talk about, you know, when did you know Piper's finishing up? Bad news, as we mentioned, uh, decides, you know what? I'm not happy with my payoff. I'm getting out of here. Um but Piper's finished up not too long after this too, at least for a little while. It takes another break. And we kind of touched on it on WrestleMania six, but he taped a television pilot with Jesse Ventura called tag team. And right before WrestleMania, and a lot of people may have missed this, but they did a matinee show in Los Angeles. And the first match was Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura defeating the Orient express. Now this was never aired on WWF TV. It was strictly done for the television show. Is that something that you have, you guys have to convince Vince to do or Vince gives it his blessing and thinks this is great for business. I'm going to let him do it. No, Vince had given him his blessing and it was something to obviously expand the WWF audience by having Roddy be a part of it from Roddy and Jesse's standpoint. It was, Hey, here's another opportunity for us to, to be Hollywood stars and, get out of the WWF bubble. Right. Even though they're playing wrestlers in it. <laughs> so Piper takes a couple of weeks off and then starts working, uh, house shows again. And some of the bigger markets, uh, he does no show a couple of events. Uh, one of which was in Waco, but he's for the most part, uh, facing Randy Savage uh, around the horn. Kind of talk us through his relationship with Randy Savage, because you didn't see them do a whole lot of stuff on camera. Uh, but it seems like those guys would have gotten along really well. Am I right? Yeah, they did. They were they were two lost souls that kind of could commiserate together. 
And my experience was always that they got along pretty well because they were both rebels in their own way also. They both bucked the system. They both liked to speak out. So Roddy and Randy were, man, they got along good. And a lot of he's programmed here with Randy because he's filling in for Dusty Rhodes. And uh, his last match for a little while is uh, May 5th, 1990. Do you remember, it was in Tampa, by the way. Um, do you remember why Roddy took a break in 90? Tired. He was just simply tired. He, I think in the back of his mind, really wanted that, he was really chasing that Hollywood dream and figured that the more that he is wrestling, the further away that he was going to get from that dream. And that that's my putting on my psychoanalytical hat. But Roddy felt that, okay, the more I'm, you know, the more I'm doing this, then that's all they're going to see me is, is as a wrestler. He does come back, uh, in early August, August 8th, he's in Providence, Rhode Island, but this time he's not in the ring. He's replacing the recently fired Jesse Ventura and he returns as co-commentator with Vince McMahon how does that deal come together, and is this something that Roddy is excited to do since he had done it before, and it probably wouldn't involve as much travel? Am I am I right in guessing that? <laughs> yeah, you know th- this was this was interesting. We we needed Roddy, and the decision came down to who can we get to replace uh, Jesse Ventura. Roddy was my immediate suggestion because he would have been new again. I go back to Roddy's 1980 stint Georgia Championship Wrestling, which I thought was excellent. So I I threw out Roddy Piper in that, and I never expected that it was, congratulations, pal, he's all yours. So we brought Roddy in, and the idea was I would essentially wrangle and manage Roddy Piper from a managerial standpoint behind the scenes. Right. And and just he would only deal with me, didn't have to deal with Vince, didn't have to deal with anybody else on the wrestling side, that I would do all of his television stuff, and we would move on to a career outside of the ring. I go to uh, Roddy comes in town and and I'm just going to go over and meet with him to at this point, you know, we were friendly. We knew each other, but I think Roddy still viewed me as that office guy. And there was a, there was a trust barrier there. So I went to, to go meet with, with hot rod at the, I believe it was a Weston hotel in downtown Stanford off of summer street. We're going to go have drinks, going to go get a bite to eat, and discuss his future. I show up at the hotel, and Roddy's not there. So I call up to the room. He's like, yeah, you know, I was thinking maybe we don't need to go out. And I ordered, I took the liberty, I ordered a few drinks upstairs, and uh, maybe you come on up here, we can sit and talk in the privacy of the room, you know. So I walk upstairs, and he has a case and a half of Miller Lite on ice. He has 
a dozen shot glasses with a clear liquid in them. And I forget if we had chicken wings or they had some kind of like chicken wings or chicken fingers or something like that. And I look at it and I'm like, okay. Now I knew Roddy liked to party and I liked to party. And there were at the time there was a, there were stories of, you know, Roddy Piper partying. And at the same time, there were kind of stories of Bruce partying. And they would run along the same parallels, but we had never partied together at this point. So I look at the, uh, at the drinks and all that. And I said, well, what's that? Uh, pointing at the, at the shots. And my response was, Oh, nothing that'll kill you there, son. Cheers. <laughs> and, proceeded to drink this clear substance that set my uh, lungs on fire every time that I drank it down. But I did all the shots with him. I drank the beer for beer. We, we might have partaken in a few other party favors uh, after he had visited the old man on the hill. And we got, you know, we just relaxed and got to know each other. And that is where, you know, I point to that one night as where Roddy finally let his guard down with me. And I think he accepted me and saw that, okay, maybe I'm not as big of an asshole as uh, most people think. Laid out what we had in mind for him and and just said, hey, uh, you're special. You're not going to have to deal with all the other bullshit. So you'll you'll just deal with me. And that's that's where it went from there until until I was fired uh, the next year. But it, it was that it was kind of that time frame that we brought Roddy in and we wanted to use him as a color commentator on superstars, but also use him on prime time and, and on different shows just to get that star power out of him. He uh, he returns to the ring in November working some battle royals, which I assume is, you know, not nearly as taxing. I'm not a wrestler. I don't know. Uh, and then works as a special guest referee for a series of matches with the Intercontinental title on the line between the Texas Tornado and Mr. Perfect. How do you think Piper did as a commentator, as a special guest referee overall? Uh, would you consider this a success or was this a failed experiment? As far as the color commentary, I think at this point in Roddy's career, he wasn't as good as he was when he first started. He, he had become a lot more selfish. And what I mean by that was in Roddy's color commentary at this point in his career, he was more about getting hot rod over than he was getting the talent over. And as a good color commentator, you want to get talent over first. And in doing that, you get yourself over. So, it was chal- it was challenging sometimes to produce him now if there was like w- what we did with him on primetime as a third co-host that was a little bit easier because he was a personality and and he was meant to get himself over at that point right but on superstars it it was a chore sometimes to to get the best out of him and he was happy not and he was happy not being on the road all the time so we do see him take a pen. Uh, this is crazy to discuss this way, but I mean, he did it so infrequently. It's a wrestling challenge taping 
that happened November 20th in Syracuse, New York. He wrestles Mr. Perfect, and he loses to the Perfect Plex. And then after the bout, Piper shakes the champ's hand. So this seems to be a, a match he's okay in taking a pin to put over Perfect. Did he just have a lot of respect for Kurt because, you know, he broke in and had his first match with his dad. Him as a performer, was this difficult to try to convince him to do, or is he just jump at the chance because of the heritage? Or kind of tell me how that comes about. Wow, it's funny you bring this up because the feeling was, is, is everybody would say when Vince would bring people in, and and the first thing he'd want them to do is do a job to show everybody. You know, Dusty Rhodes come in. All right, Dusty, I need you to put so and so over. And the feeling was, well, Vince does that to get to show people that he's the boss and that, you know, everybody does jobs. And that night, this, this was a situation where it was to get perfect over. It was to give Kurt a win over a a top guy. Um, and that being Piper and Piper wasn't full time on the roster at the time. So we thought that would work and that would really give Kurt a big boost. Roddy's feeling on that was, Oh, I get it. Vince Jr. is just trying to to show everybody that he's got control of Hot Rod. I don't care. I'll fucking put anybody over. And went out and did it. And his way of putting perfect over was, you beat me with your finish, and I shake your hand afterwards. And the handshake afterwards was Roddy's call. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, they would work a lot of matches after that. And uh, he would get some wins back eventually. But before Perfect um, you know, started to lose, he would lose by disqualification. He would lose by countout, stuff like that. Um, what did he think of Mr. Perfect? I've kind of read the rumor and innuendo would lead you to believe that Perfect was a notorious ribber and that Piper did not like ribbing. Uh, do you recall there being any sort of weirdness there? Absolutely not. No. Um, Rod, it wasn't that Roddy didn't like ribbing. Roddy didn't, Roddy didn't like to be ribbed. Well, who does? Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference, okay? And uh, Kurt and, and Roddy, no, they always got along. They always got along great. And Like you said, Roddy knew his dad, and they had a great relationship. So that was that was never an issue, ever, that I ever knew of. But you know, Roddy, hey, Roddy had his, his fair share of ribs. So he wasn't, he wasn't immune to uh, pulling a rib on someone now and then. Leading up to uh, WrestleMania 7, um, Virgil is on the verge and then eventually does uh, kind of bow up on Ted DiBiase. And they wrestle at WrestleMania 7. And Piper was the guy on commentary kind of cheering Virgil on. And he appears at WrestleMania 7 and kind of uh, has Virgil's back. What did he think of this pairing? And this is a weird way to ask. Was this done to kind of counteract (laughs) at the previous WrestleMania where Roddy's out there in half blackface? God, no. That's a weird way to ask. No. Um, It was actually to be able to have Roddy in that slot with DiBiase too. It right. was a way to endorse Virgil to give Virgil a rub 
and sprinkle a little Roddy dust on him, but also to be able to have Roddy to slide into that slot with DiBiase as well at any time, where the star power, believe it or not, the star power of Virgil wasn't, you know, all that great at that time, so it was a way to, to give him a rub, him being Virgil. Pronouns, pal, god damn it. So let's kind of uh, fast forward. If you remember our WrestleMania 7 episode, which is available now in the archives, you remember that not too long after that, Brother Love was shown the door. Uh, and when you came back, it was uh, after SummerSlam 92. Do I have that right? That is correct. So we get lots of questions about, why don't you talk about this show? Why don't you talk about that show? Well, he just wasn't there. So uh, that's kind of that. When you come back... Um, I guess well, I, I, I will say, you know, during that time that I was gone, that Roddy Piper was one of those, one of the few guys that, that I did still hang out with and, and spend a lot of time with. As a matter of fact, here's, here's a crazy deal. I was fired in May, 1991, right? Uh, like yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> what the fuck not? You know, everything. And then. In August, that August, Piper and I went to Vince's surprise birthday party in Rockefeller Center. Really? Yeah. So, you know, me and Roddy were still hanging and, and talking all the time and just kind of hanging. Yeah, I was invited. I was still invited to Vince's surprise birthday party <laughs> three months after I was fired. And so I went with Roddy Piper. So catch me up. Um when you were gone, we don't talk about this very much, but when you're gone, you went and did some work with Global. And when you're down there, a lot of people would say that you were essentially ripping off Roddy Piper. What say you? Oh, hell yeah. I stole all, I stole all the good shit from Roddy Piper. Yes, without a doubt. I... And it wasn't it wasn't an intentional ripoff. It's just sometimes I fall into it. Like sometimes I fall into Vince. Sometimes I fall into Milk and Dream Death and Rose. It just I do it without thinking about it. Right. Uh, so I know you weren't there, but we should briefly just mention because people will want to know. What do you think of his match at WrestleMania Eight against Bret Hart? Thought it was excellent. I thought it was very good, and it was one of the better wrestling matches i'd ever seen roddy have i think you could argue it may be one of his best matches he ever had and uh there was some depending on who you believe accidental blood there but uh i guess we'll cover that for somebody who was actually there but it's written about in brett's book if you'd like to check that out so let's kind of fast forward uh when do you remember first discussing piper coming back because he doesn't really do anything when you're back in 92, he doesn't do anything in 1993. Um, and then the next time we see him is 1994. And he ultimately, as many people would remember, would become the referee at WrestleMania. He'd be the special guest referee for the main event, uh, which was Bret Hart and Yokozuna. And they're back at Madison Square Garden. And, of course, we all remember the first WrestleMania at MSG. Piper was in the main event. Well, here 10 years later, he's there in the main event, too, just not not working and wrestling. Instead, as special guest referee. How do you remember that deal coming together? Well, 
we were again looking for that that outside star power, and I think Roddy just kind of liked taking a couple years off here and there. He would, <laughs> you know, want to get away from the business and go try on some new things, and it was time for him to come back again and just get back in the mix. And that's what it really turned out to be a lot of times was he just wanted to get away and get a rest from the business, get away from it for a minute. So it's time to come back, come home, Hot Rod. And he fit he fit in that role really well. It was like you're talking about guys that, that, are, that have not been around, that have name value that you could bring in. He was usually at the top of the list. I know he was for me because I was a fan. So they anoint Bret Hart as the new guy. WrestleMania 10, uh, they kind of undo the damage that was done at WrestleMania 9. And uh, he's the champ of WrestleMania 10, which we'll cover at another show in the future. But then that summer, we start to think about maybe trying to program Piper with Jerry the King Lawler. And they start a program, I believe, in May of 94. And uh, Jerry Lawler is holding a similar Piper's Pit type segment on Raw called King's Court. And they have a kid come on who impersonates Roddy Piper, dresses just like him. Uh, and this leads to a match where these guys are doing promos for several weeks back and forth. And then they have a match at King of the Ring 94. So before we talk about the match, let's talk about the buildup. Uh, whose idea is it to program Lawler and Piper? What did you think of the kid, the promos back and forth, and, and the whole gaga before the match? Wow, I, I want to say that the idea, I think, was was mine and Pat's. You had the two two of the greatest talkers ever in the business, and they had never crossed paths in Jerry Lawler and Roddy Piper. To me, that was just a natural. It, it was it, a blind man could have booked that. So it just see, it just seemed like the thing to do. You had them both. Let's put them in the ring together. Wasn't the greatest, I'll tell you that, but. <laughs> on paper fantasy booking phenomenal this is going to be great where did you then find that the, damn bell rang i love when you do that where'd you find the kid the kid was oh shit maybe ohio or something like that i don't know why that sticks in my head maybe but he was um somebody he had sent in a tape we saw him it fit or maybe Lawler found him. I don't even I don't even remember, but I remember seeing the tape of him dressed up like Roddy, doing all the Roddy stuff, and it was just funny as hell. So we showed it to Vince and he thought, Oh God, wouldn't that be great for him to do that to Roddy? Forgetting that I'd already done that. Right. So the match, King of the Four King of the Ring ninety four. It's the main event. It's Rowdy Roddy Piper and Jerry the King Lawler. It goes about 12 and a half minutes. Piper wins with a back suplex. Your thoughts on the match? Can you rank it? Can you rate it? I know you don't like star ratings, but let's pretend you're Dave Meltzer. Yeah, that will never happen. I can't even pretend that. Um, That was in Baltimore, right? Uh, No, it was not. Where was it? Uh, Baltimore. That was Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave, for that report. 
I fucked up, kid. I mean, it we was all, ignorant. You know what? We all fuck up every once in a while, Conrad. It's okay. I'm not going to fucking hold you to the torch. and, and uh, It's okay. We fuck up. I fuck up all the time. Well, what the fuck are you talking about the torch? I think we're confused, and we need to get our shit together. So after King of the Ring 1994, which was indeed in Baltimore, uh, he takes a break, and he's gone again. Do Wouldn't you, you after that match? Well... If you want to know what we're talking about, it is on the network. King of the Ring 1994. Maybe not his best work. It was a little rough. So the next time we see Piper, it's 1995. He had a handful of sporadic appearances in January on television. And then he was involved in WrestleMania 11, albeit briefly. Uh, He was introduced as the special guest surprise referee for the Bret Hart, Bob Backlund, I quit match. How do you remember that coming about? Just, hey, we need star power. Let's call Piper. Exactly. Exactly. It was just a, another one-off and let's see, you know, Roddy would always let it be known. Hey, I'm out here. I'm available. If you got something special, he enjoyed working with Brett. So we thought, okay. This may be a nice little spot for him. So fast forward, he's done uh, for the rest of 95, and he's on into 1996. We talked about this on our Vader episode, but during a Raw taping in Stockton, California, the uh, Vader makes his Raw debut and destroys Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, And then while they're there, that same taping, they introduce Roddy Piper as the new WWF president, and he's going to be replacing gorilla monsoon uh how does that deal come together is he is that just a a way to involve something with him and build him and gold us do you know that when you start how does that come about okay what was the time frame that we brought roddy back for the uh for the presidency to bring bring back to be the interim you brought him back in january of 96 and there's rumor and innuendo out there that originally it was supposed to be Goldust and Razor Ramon at right. WrestleMania 12, and you had to pivot. So if that wasn't the original plan, what was the original plan for Piper before we got to Goldust? The um, original plan was Goldust and Razor Ramon. The The pivot was Roddy Piper. Razor didn't want to work with Goldust. Right. He was uncomfortable working with Goldust and had had major issues doing anything with gold dust. So we thought, okay, what else can we do now? In the meantime, there was this other celebrity. We'll call him a celebrity out there in the world who was red hot in many, many ways. Marilyn Manson. No, we did talk to Marilyn Manson though. At one point, no, Keep coming. Come on. I don't know. I don't know. He's got initials. Everybody does. Yeah. But he went by his initials. I don't know. It's a favorite favorite fruit of Florida. Oh, OJ Simpson. Okay. OJ Simpson had had been cleared on all charges and found not guilty in the murder of his ex-wife. And there was a sentiment in the country that he needed to get what was coming to him. He needed some comeuppance. Are you about to tell me that the original plan 
was OJ Simpson to have a segment where Piper gave him the what for at WrestleMania and there was a pivot? No. Okay. The original plan was for OJ Simpson to have a match at WrestleMania. Oh, my. Against the Hot Rod. This is real. This is this is real. And and I remember calling Roddy and pitching Roddy the idea, which which he was for. Um, we had had preliminary talks with O.J. Simpson's people who at that point they were looking for anything that had a paycheck attached to it. We floated the idea out there. We, we did talk to OJ's people. Uh, I talked to Piper about it. Uh, Piper was on board. We were bringing him back in to get involved in everything. And to, if you remember, and if you go back in the early time of Piper's reemergence, he, he does make comments about OJ Simpson. And he makes comments about, you know, right and wrong in America and and what's going on. And that he's here to make things right in the WWF. The end game to that was going to be the the one off and and have Piper beat the shit out of O.J. Simpson at WrestleMania in Anaheim, California. Right. Once that started getting out beyond the inner circle of of O.J. Simpson's people and, and out in Hollywood, the backlash was deafening. They People were, if you do this, you'll never have another sponsor. Um, just extremely, extremely negative. Um, so we, we, we punted and said, thank you, but no thank you, O.J., uh, we're not interested. They thought, you know, and we thought that also in the the end game, OJ getting the shit kicked out of him would satisfy some people. Nope. And, and, and as those words come out of my mouth, you know, you, you realize how ridiculous that is today. But you always have to try something on. <laughs> I can't. Even if it sounds ridiculous, but it's like, well, goddamn, Piper's going to beat the shit out of him in the fourth match on the card. Everyone will be happy then. And then you sit back and you put yourself in the Goldman's position and you put yourself in Nicole Brown Simpson's family's position of saying, fuck that. Short of being dead or in prison, nothing's going to satisfy anybody. Yeah, it's kind of weird because right now I really want to ask you to be Vince McMahon and play through that. But part of me is like, let's just move on. Yeah, it, it was distasteful then. It's distasteful now. But we did a lot of distasteful things sometimes. And, we still and sometimes. we do we do on this show, <laughs> but, but <laughs> weekly. Damn it, there are lines. That's a line. We're not doing that one. God damn, pal! <laughs> Don't tease me. Uh, <laughs> Pronouns. When, when, um, you know what? Fuck it. Sing the song. Spend my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. Tell you what, that uh, that'll fix your mood I, right there. Goddamn right, it would. Man, it makes me tingly all over every time the, those melodic melodies come out my mouth. 
I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move along. Uh, how when does Razor start to raise a stink about working with Goldust? February, January, February. Yeah, right. Right in that area, we went to Bangor, Maine, to actually shoot the angle at a house show, and Razor just didn't want to do. He was uncomfortable doing it, and did it half-assed. So the the thought was, you know what? His heart's not in it. He doesn't want to do it. He's not going to do it well. So let's move on. Let's find someone that, that does want to do it. Because Goldust was red hot at the time. Uh, Bangor, Maine is um, January 13th, 1996. Uh, on that show, we had Goldust working uh, Henry O. Godwin, and we had Razor Ramon working Hunter Hurst Helmsley. So there you go. There's your frame of reference for when it happened. So kind of talk us through how the pitch goes down for Roddy. Um, Hey, pal, we don't have OJ. By the way, what did Piper think of OJ? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, the idea of working a match. Let me be clear. I'm going to frame that right. Well, the idea was he wanted to beat the shit out of him. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that's a shoot. Roddy wanted to beat the shit out of him. So the the pitch, and by the way, the pitch always was, OJ, you're going to get the shit beat out of you. But you'll make a lot of money off of it. The And Piper's, Piper's pitch, not pit, was, I'm going to beat the shit out of him. So it was, he was fine with that. He was fine with that part. But it never, you know, he didn't get past the conversation stages, and we moved on. After Razor didn't want to do uh, the match with Goldust, and we had had it laid out to go all the way through WrestleMania 12. I said, okay, well, we'll find somebody that does. But we were looking for something that would be a little bit different rather than just a straight match. So I said that with a straight face, a straight match, you know, with Goldust. Oh, my we, gosh. Well, you know. So... And by the way, that wasn't a rip. Um, we started kicking around some some different ideas about what you know what we could do with them and and how that match could be different. They being gold dust was associated with Hollywood and the gold and the Oscar statue and all that nonsense. And Piper was you know Mr. Hollywood, having done movies and being a Hollywood star, you know, so we could position him that. And I think it was Vince's idea to what if we did, you know, a backlot brawl? What if we went to a to a backlot in Hollywood and just had a fight with all the props and and all the accoutrements that you're afforded on a Hollywood lot? And then from there the the immediate kickback was this well you know, shit, then they don't have a match in front of the people. He's no, 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 goddamn pal. They start on the back, back lot, and then they get to the arena, finish the match in the arena. So as we start talking about all this shit, that, okay, we do this back lot brawl, we, we, we shoot it in Hollywood, and then the match ends up in the ring in Anaheim, and we start just 
throwing out, which is always dangerous when Vince is involved, you start throwing out goofy ideas. Right. So what if Gold Dust takes off in his gold Cadillac and Piper follows him? And we and we do like the OJ uh chase because that was still fresh in everyone's mind. The white Bronco going down the the freeway there in California in LA. And it was a, it was pretty much a similar route. And we start laughing. Oh my God, what if we got the rights or we got that footage? And we just use that footage of the of the white bronco. We put Piper in a white bronco. And Roddy comes down and, and follows Goldust all the way to the arena. Right. So that that was the framework of the the whole deal. And we shot the backlot brawl a week in advance, a week ahead of WrestleMania. We got uh, Mitch Ackerman for any of you Hollywood types out there. Mitch Ackerman is a producer with Walt Disney. Um, done a lot of things, but Mitch was always backstage and, and he was a friend that would, would able enable us to do shit. And Larry Burton, which Jerry Lawler will like, but we set up, backlot brawl we set up a a studio in hollywood to have this fight and we brought in different hollywood people to kind of be around and, and they would be our audience of the backlot brawl so if you remember i think we started inside and then we got out to the to the driveway in between with the fire hose and gold dust had his his uh, cadillac but we didn't know what the weather was going to be, so we had – th this is how crazy shit was. We had the fire hose. You know why the fire hose was there? Because you had to wet everything down in case it was raining that day at WrestleMania and it would look consistent. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And we had people – There's actually you could actually see me in a couple of shots up on top of the roof uh, when they when they pan across and, and see people up there watching – but it was it was absolutely crazy because if you know Roddy, Roddy's whole thing, especially with Hollywood folks, when he did his wrestling stuff, that was real. And you don't fuck with his wrestling. You don't make fun of him. You don't call him a fake. You don't say what he does is a work or anything else. So Roddy and Goldust are beating the living shit out of each other. For real. For real. They're not stuntmen. It wasn't a gimmick car. Sure as hell wasn't a gimmick fire hose. He really hit him. He really jumped on the hood. He really hit him and really jumped on the hood. He really peeled out of the parking lot and hit two Lexus on the way out that were some producers of uh, uh, a Fuller House or I don't know. It was it was a sitcom that was taping in a studio across the way. And when Goldust came out around the corner, he his car swung out and hit two Lexuses. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of explaining to do. Any heat on Dustin for that? There was a lot of heat on us for that. That's for damn sure. Yeah, the the studio was not happy with us at all. I meant Vince. We, we, I'm sorry, what from Vince to Goldust? Yeah. No, man, it made it look real. He loved it. Okay. So um, they do it, and in in the midst of this battle, Piper broke his wrist. It was a good break too, but he kept going. So you see at the end of the uh, at the end of the fight where Roddy's kind of holding, I think it was his right wrist, and he had a he had a broken wrist, 
probably a broken arm too, but the wrist was the really bad break. And they get in the cars and they, they take off. Well, that night we had to go, uh, me, Vince and Roddy spent a couple hours in, uh, the ER there in LA in Hollywood, getting Roddy x-rays and getting the cast put on his wrist and all that good shit. But then we had to go, you know, a week later and have the end of the match in Anaheim. So as we get to Anaheim, we've got the, the white Bronco that Roddy took off on and the gold Cadillac that Gold Dust had. So we have there in Anaheim, there's a ramp in the back that comes down. There's a guard shack there. And the idea was Gold Dust obviously enters first and Roddy comes comes behind. Well, Roddy had in his head that he wanted to wreck the Cadillac. He wanted to ram the Cadillac. And Vince was like, no fucking way. No, we're not going to do that. You're not a stunt guy. I don't want you getting hurt any worse than you already are. And we're, we're not doing that. So Roddy and Goldust decide amongst themselves that when Goldust gets in, we're doing this live, by the way, with not stuntman, with two wrestlers. You're saying live. You mean live to tape. No, no, no. I'm saying live. Okay. Live, live. So they're they're coming down, and we've got everything clear. And Roddy and Goldust decide amongst themselves that, okay, we're not going to wreck the car. But Roddy told Goldust when he gets out to leave his car door open. And Roddy wanted to come behind it and take the door off, ram into the door. Yeah. Well, Goldust tries to leave the door open, but it still, like, went halfway shut, and Roddy didn't get to get the shot that he wanted. But the other thing you'll notice is because when we left the backlot brawl where Roddy broke his his hand and his, his uh, wrist, and then they get to the uh, arena, Roddy can't go out and work with his wrist the way it is. He's got to tape it up. So you see Roddy grab tape on the way in and start taping up his wrist right. to go to the ring and, and get all that done, and they had their stuff and – that's where we stripped gold dust down and he was wearing the women's lingerie, but getting to that point, Oh my God, it was just a nightmare. When you, you think back and you go back from razor and gold dust, that was going to be a big blow off there to, to Roddy and gold dust do something special, the backlot brawl and all the bullshit that went into it, having to have and one of the deals that was made on the backlot brawl was that we had to put, uh, Jeff Connolly, the guy from Greece, Hickey from Kanicki, Famous actor. He was also in Taxi. That we had to. He had to have a cameo in the backlot brawl. So it was basically Roddy saying, "Hey, how you doing there, buddy? Uh, good to see you." And that was his cameo in the backlot brawl. Tell me, bit of trivia. Chat me up about um, the build for the Goldust thing because you guys did some kind of interesting stuff with him at the time. You had him asking to blow on Piper's bagpipe. And, um, you had him on the, uh, a makeshift, uh, Piper's pit. And he talked about how he had an eruption watching this, you know, lots of double entendre, lots of sexual innuendo. Once everybody says we use that word inappropriately here on the show, uh, was Piper for all of this? He got it. Why was he game for it when maybe Razor wasn't? Roddy liked money. (laughs) 
So uh, when it's all said and done, WrestleMania 12 here, Goldust, Brody Piper, Vince McMahon, everybody's pleased with the way this turns out? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Vince gave Roddy the, the Bronco after the fact, gave it to him as a gift, had it shipped to his house. That's kind of fun. Yeah, so Roddy got to keep the Bronco. It was all good. So I don't the, know if Goldust got the, the gold caddy or not. He might have. So the next time we would see Piper uh, would be in WCW. He debuted after Halloween Havoc. In 1996, it was in Vegas. Macho Man had uh, just faced Hulk Hogan in the main event. And then Piper comes in, cuts a promo about being the icon, and you've never been able to beat me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And they're kind of off to the races. But Piper wrote, or Piper talked about on the DVD that the WWE put out, that the night before, uh, Vince called and asked him to induct Jimmy Superfly Snuka into the Hall of Fame. Kind of carry me through how that comes about because clearly he knew he just wanted to have the conversation or what? Clearly who knew? Roddy? Clearly Piper. Or clearly Vince knew. Vince knew that Piper was going? Okay. No, he didn't. I, I feel no, like I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm confused. Pronouns, pal. You're saying that, that Vince knew Piper was going to WCW? No, the, he didn't. Okay. No, he didn't. And, and I don't think that it was Vince that called him. I'm pretty sure it was me. Piper tells the story on his DVD that the day before Vince calls and says, got an idea. How great. We're putting Jimmy Snook in the hall of fame. I want you to put him in. How great would it be for you to be the guy to put him in? And Piper says he can't. And Vince says, I know, just tell me you love me. And that is supposedly the way that conversation goes, according to Roddy Piper. And you're saying, no, that was a rib. And it was actually brother well, love calling. No, I'm, I'm saying that, that that conversation may have happened because I had a conversation with Roddy the day before as well. Not just about inducting Snuka, but coming back in general. The conversation Roddy told me that he would uh, think about it and that he would get back to me. Now, Vince may have called him after that and had that very conversation with him, either sensing or Vince may have known. I did not know the day before. I didn't know until Roddy went out that Roddy was at WCW. And I spoke to him the day before. So Vince may have. Vince may have heard it and just made a last-ditch effort to call him personally and say, hey, pal. But um, I I had a conversation with him as well. And no, that was it. That was it. He told me he would get back to me. And that was the end. That was, that was the end. And it, and it hurt me because I felt that, that we were at a place where he could have told me right what he was doing and it would have been cool. Um, but I also understood after the fact, cause I called him on it. I said, you could have told me, I mean, what would it have changed? Right. And he said, he goes, if you would have known, then you and Vince would have made a harder play, and I didn't want to put you in that position of knowing. Which, in that in that moment, I just I, I told him I thought that was a bullshit excuse, but it is what it is. So, he but had, that one that one hurt me. He has a run with WCW. 
there's some high points, there's some low points, uh, but that's not what this show's about. It's about Bruce's experience. So we'll kind of move along. Uh, but one of the things I want to ask you about before we get back to Piper's return in 03 is he had a brief appearance with TNA back when they were in Nashville and he cut some somewhat controversial promos. Do you recall those and what the reaction may have been? I recall the, it was like the first or second show that they had where Roddy went out and basically called out Vince Russo and blamed Russo for Owen. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was, I just thought it was in horribly bad taste on all fronts. Uh, did you talk to Piper about that? Was that a Russo idea that he go into business for himself? How did that come about? I talked to Roddy about it after the fact, like, you know, years after the fact. And Roddy told me that, that Roddy went into business for himself and that no one knew he was going to do that. And that when Russo came out, that Piper wanted to slap the shit out of him. So I don't know. I don't know who's zooming who in that. If, if that was work, knowing Russo, it's a swerve, bro. But who knows? I, I don't know. Knowing Roddy with a live mic, I could see Roddy doing that. Uh, so let's talk about how he comes back. He um, he comes back in nineteen, or I'm sorry, two thousand three, and he makes a surprise return at WrestleMania nineteen, and uh, this is during the Hulk Hogan Vince McMahon match. He pulls out a pipe. It looks like he's going to attack Vince, but of course, swerve, he attacks Hulk Hogan. How does that appearance come about? It feels like this is almost a theme. Well, WrestleMania's here. Let's see if we can get Piper. We were in we were in Seattle, as you stated. We were, were, were talking about the match. And as usual, <laughs> Bruce brings up, hey, what about Piper? Now, when you, you look back at the talent that had history with Vince and that, that love-hate rela- relationships, you, you got Hulk and uh, Vince, and then you've got right right on the heels of that is Piper and Vince. Piper had been away for a while, and, and Roddy hadn't been making much noise at that time and was sitting in his ranch out in, uh, outside of Portland. I knew it was driving distance. I pitched Vince. I said, what if we got Piper involved somehow? And it was Vince's call to do the, to do the swerve and to have uh, Roddy. My, it was my call for him to come out. Piper be a surprise for Hogan. Right. And do something to Vince. It was Vince's call to, to do the swerve and have him actually turn on Hogan and, and be on Vince's side. Nobody will call that pal. So I picked up the phone and called Roddy. Hey, what you doing? And he wasn't doing shit. So I said, well, you know, we're, uh, we're in Seattle this weekend. Yeah. What you got? <laughs> I pitched him. We had him drive down. This deal was made on Friday night. Yeah. On Friday night is when we came up with it. I called him that Friday night. He drove down on Saturday. I met him on the loading dock. I snuck him up the elevator in the hotel, um, put him in my brother's room, and then got Tom another room. And we kept Roddy there. I think that's what we did. I know Tom helped me get him up there. 
and then had Roddy just show up. That day, we got him in the building. Everybody thought that he was just there to do an appearance. You know, an old-timer doing an appearance at WrestleMania, signing autographs. No one gave it a second thought. And Roddy's sitting in the dressing room getting dressed with everybody, and, hey, how you doing? How you doing? All this shit. And when it came time for the match, we put him in a big overcoat trench coat. I walked him out when the match start, and we stood right underneath the hard camera section in the middle of the floor. There was the big stadium there in Seattle, and they had a big, uh, big stand where they had a camera. And we just stood right inside the barrier there. And when it came time, we walked down, walked down to the ring. I had my credentials, and I just kept moving people out of the way. He got right down there to the barricade. They hit the queue. Roddy threw off the trench coat and was in the ring. Nobody knew. Jim Ross was a little upset because Jim was in charge of talent relations at the time, and Vince didn't tell him. I didn't tell him. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Oh, wow. Yeah. He wasn't happy. Oh, damn. What's, what, what, what's the deal with Piper? What, 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 are we, what are we fucking paying him? What are we doing? I'm like, oh, I just got him here. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't discuss a deal. We didn't discuss anything. It was a one-off. Hey, Roddy, you want to be involved in the match? Come on down. We'll get you in the match. And, and you guys just work the money out later. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's the way the old-timers did it. How about that? So let's talk about his relationship with Hulk Hogan because uh, he's been pretty open and at different times. So is Hogan that uh, they did not have the best relationship. And a lot of it was them just, you know, both having some animosity for the other about gunning to be the top guy in the mid 80s. And everybody wanted that top spot. And they kind of argued on Mike and then allegedly behind the scenes about who made who and who was the bigger star and would Hogan have been as big a star if he didn't have a foil, if he didn't have a heel, if he didn't have someone as an antagonist to make that character bigger. So how were they to do business together? I know you weren't there in the eighties, but was any of that present in 2003 or were they good to go by then? They were good to go by then, but there was still that underlying animosity you still felt that beneath the surface little, you know, there were little digs here and there. Um, professional jealousy, I'll call it. But they worked well together. And by that time, they were, you know, in the twilight of their career, let's say, and realized that these other younger guys were doing their thing and moving on up. So, you know, let's, let's show them how it's done. And we can do this together. Yeah, Piper had always been the top guy when he came to New York. He did big business in Charlotte, but he was the man in Portland and Georgia. And he probably thought he should be the man in New York. And, of course, it was a babyface territory, and Piper was a heel. So it kind of worked out the way it did. But he would even write and, and talk about he felt like he had paid his dues. Meanwhile, Hogan got his spot because of a guest starring role in Rocky three. And he didn't think there was any comparison between the two as to who deserved the spot. Do you remember him espousing any of that to you? Or was that all just put on for angles? 
I could see Roddy somewhat believing that, but I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly because Hogan did pay his dues. Sure. But I think that – I think Roddy knew that Hogan paid his dues. I think, I think every old-timer feels that they paid more dues than anybody else. No matter how you view it, you're always going to look at, well, they didn't, didn't have to eat the shit I had to eat. You didn't go out and wrestle for 15 bucks. So you always, you always feel that the guys that come after you, well, they didn't pay their dues. So the next week, uh, we're in Chicago for um, a television taping, this time with SmackDown. And Piper is back on WWE TV after a 14-year absence. And Vince McMahon is going to be the guest on Piper's Pit. And this segment would involve Rikishi coming down, and he's got a coconut in his hand. And they're trying to, of course, do a throwback to the Jimmy Snuka situation. And this is where we're introduced to Sean O'Hare and him being kind of under the tutelage of Piper, with Piper smashing the coconut over Rikishi's head. But somewhere in here, Vince can't help but make some sort of uh, comment about the shape that Piper's in. Piper's fresh off of surgery and is a little heavier than normally. He may have been on television. And Piper has commented that he didn't really know that was coming or appreciate it. Did you guys talk about that? What was it like backstage? No, we we didn't talk about it. That was simply Vince going into business for himself and... (laughs) No different than what Roddy probably would have done in the same situation, given the same material <laughs> to work with. Right. So, uh, you know, and the fact that Roddy was a heel in this situation, also, you could make the argument, man, it's fair game on a heel. Right. Uh, whose idea was it to put Roddy with Sean O'Hare? How did they get along? Why didn't it have a bigger run than it did? Because they're setting up, obviously, here. You know, with future segments where Jimmy Snuka even makes a surprise appearance. Um, Sean O'Hare in one side, Rikishi in the other, and of course Piper being the second for O'Hare. It feels like an odd pairing. Would you agree? Yes. We were looking for a mouthpiece for Sean O'Hare. We felt that Sean O'Hare had a great look and had some talent. But he was miss, you know, he was missing that it intangible, and thought that Roddy is a mouthpiece for O'Hare, might give him that boost that he needed. So, kind of challenged the hot rod. Say, hey, can you get this kid over? And that's where it kind of ended. It just, yeah, it didn't uh, didn't do that well. Um. The next pay-per-view that, that we all remember is uh, Backlash 03, and that is in Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm getting it right. And uh, Sean O'Hare in one corner is taking on Rikishi in the other, and Sean gets the pin. And somewhere in here, um, Rikishi smashes the coconut over Piper's head. So there's a little payback 20-some-odd years later. Uh, and not too long after that, a couple of days later, we see the uh, SmackDown taping. And this time, we've got the debut of Mr. America as a guest on Piper's Pit. I can't wait to talk about Mr. America and Hulk Hogan's run here for 0203. I know we'll do that at some time in the future. 
but does this not just feel like kind of nothing new, nothing original? If we've got Piper still doing coconut stuff and still doing stuff with Hogan, uh, were there any long-term plans here or not so much? Well, there were long-term plans with Hogan. The <laughs> Again, we'll get to that in, in the Hogan episode, so I, I won't go into that. The idea behind it was to use Roddy to try and get O'Hare over. Uh, also, we had uh, Zach Gowan kind of in the mix with, with some of those things that it was try to use some of the older talent to uplift some of the younger talent. We didn't have anybody that could stand alone. That's It was the brand split that was on SmackDown, and it was tough. It was, it was just really tough. So you had to utilize some older name talent to be able to put this new talent up on a pedestal. And that was the idea behind using Roddy and Hulk, even at that time. But we wanted to get the Hulk-Vince story out there and kind of done with. We thought there was still a little money in that. There's just so much going on here. Uh, May of 03, it's Judgment Day. They're in Charlotte. Mr. America with Zach Gowan, the one-legged wrestler, is taking on Roddy Piper with Sean O'Hare. And Mr. America Ouch. gets the win after about five minutes. And this happens when O'Hare accidentally hits Piper in the head with a lead pipe. Um, Vince McMahon had come down and distracted the referee, and that's what kind of allowed it all to happen. So you've got an aging Piper, Hulk Hogan under a hood, a one-legged wrestler, Sean O'Hare, Vince McMahon, and a lead pipe. This is the same match. Who the fuck booked this shit? Okay, next question. Is that your idea? Yeah, I was writing all that shit during that time. It was a rough time. That was me. It was it was challenging, man. We yeah, it was challenging. But I take I take one hundred percent. Sure, I'll take the credit and the uh, the accusation. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Wow, I'm gonna back down from it. It sucked. <laughs> it did. It sucked. But I knew, but I knew where I wanted to go, and you have to go through a sucky period to get to your ultimate destination. Uh, in I didn't anticipate what <laughs> what was still yet to come. There were storm clouds ahead, my friend. So I had a SmackDown taping. Sean O'Hare defeats Mister America by countout when Vince McMahon comes out. And has Zach Gowan arrested for his actions at Judgment Day. And the deal here is Mr. America would have to undergo a lie detector test the following week to see if he was really Hulk Hogan. And if Hogan wins, Piper is going to be fired from the WWE. Uh, (laughs) We keep going. There's more of this. Uh, Dark, dark times, my friend. Dark, dark times. Process this. Sean O'Hare on SmackDown beat Chris Benoit after a kick to the back of the head. But afterwards, Benoit uses the Crippler crossface on Piper. So this took a little bit of heat for him. Um, Zach Gowan is on a Piper's pit in June on SmackDown. Where Vince McMahon challenges him to an arm wrestling match for a WWE contract. 
Sounds fair. This uh, starts to feel, I don't know. This is not a great year for WWE. Am I right? We've had better. Uh, in San Antonio, they did a SmackDown on the 200th episode. Sean O'Hare uh, pinned Eddie Guerrero. So far, he's beat Chris Benoit and now Eddie Guerrero. And uh, Hey, and you're, you're bitch. Why didn't you do anything with Sean O'Hare? We did. We tried. We beat Benoit and Guerrero, but fuck, it was horrible. Uh, Eddie was being seconded by Tajiri, and Piper sprays Tajiri in the eyes with tequila on the floor. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> okay. Uh, here we go. We're getting to the finish is, here. Is this just pick on Bruce Day today? What the fuck? SmackDown. Hey, at man, M- I didn't. They they all weren't winners, Conrad. Okay. SmackDown at MSG. Uh, we've got uh, Eddie Guerrero and Tajiri, the tag champs, taking on Roddy Piper and Sean O'Hare. Um, Guerrero gets the pin over Piper with a frog splash after Tajiri sprayed green mist into Piper's eyes. And uh, this would be Piper's last appearance for a while. And let's talk about why that is. Now, there's lots of rumor and innuendo out there that around this time, he goes on HBO and does a segment on wrestlers dying. And if you haven't seen that, it's worth going out of your way to see. Uh, He is not in a good place at the time, but it is riveting television Uh, and I know that you have seen it and I know that you've probably talked to Roddy about it. Uh, but it would ultimately be the end of him in WWE in 03 and he's not there at all in 04. Uh, he comes back and makes, uh, I don't know, two dozen appearances in 05. Catch me up. How does this come about? Well, when Roddy came back. He he did tell us, um, kind of once we were into everything, he says, hey, I, I did an interview with HBO. HBO was doing this documentary, and they asked me, and the the theme was wrestlers dying and drugs in wrestling, and, and I, I did an interview. He told us about it ahead of time, but he also kind of downplayed it a little bit. Right. That. It wasn't, you know, I, I protected the business, and, and it's it's me and the fact that I'm a heel, and I never thought I'd be back, and it should be fine. Then it aired, and Vince didn't think it was fine. He was, he was hot about the comments, but I, I think here's how I found out about it. I was home here in uh, Houston. It was a Thursday night. We had finished TV. We had everything written, ready to go for the next week. I get a call. Call Steph. I called Steph and went right to voicemail. Are you saying Steph, your wife, or Steph McMahon? Stephanie McMahon. Okay. So I get another message, and the message was something along the lines of, uh, Piper's out. Hogan's out. Uh, we got to rewrite everything for TV. So what the hell's going on? I call Vince. Now I called Steph a couple times. She didn't answer the phone. I called Vince and I said, Hey, uh, I got a message from Stephanie about Hogan and Piper being out. What's going on? I fired Roddy Piper and Hogan quit. 
and I'll tell you the rest of the, the story on the Hulk Hogan episode whenever we do that at some point. There's a part two to that Hogan comment. But my initial reaction was, what the fuck? Back to the drawing board. Get your team together and rewrite SmackDown. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Click. And that's exactly what I did. I went and had an ice-cold Miller Lite. What did you think of the comments when you saw it? No worse than, than what anybody else said or did. Unfortunately, the timing of it, Roddy was prominent on our TV and was bad-mouthing, you know, just bashing the shit out of the company and the business in general. So it didn't, it didn't air well, especially at the time. It just didn't look good, didn't sound good, and put the company in a bad light. I thought it put Roddy in a bad light. Did you talk to Roddy about doing it ever after the fact? Yeah, I called him when I hung up with Vince. I said, what the hell? He says, hey, man, he goes, I told you guys. And I said, but Roddy, I said, shit, you also made it sound like it wasn't that big of a deal. He said, well, I didn't think it was, but I'm sorry, and I, I understand. And, you know, essentially, we'll see you down the road. So he understood that he had fucked it up. He did, yeah, he did. And I think that I think he knew that beforehand, but he wanted to get what he could get out of it. Yeah, I get that. So, but he was remorseful, at least what you remember. He was remorseful to me, yes. Maybe not to Vince, the way you're saying that? Yeah, I don't know if he was that remorseful to Vince or not. It's Again, their, their relationship was... How would you categorize that? Love, hate? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Piper made a lot of money because of Vince McMahon. But when I say that, I know if Piper were here, he would say, McMahon made a lot of money because of me. Exactly. They both did. They needed each other. And one wouldn't be, you know, the same without the other. They both just wanted to be the one with the leverage and the more dominant one in the relationship. Is that fair to say? All the time. All day long. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, is it not? Yeah, because I was usually the one in the middle of them. Yeah. Uh, And Piper admits that he was difficult to do business with here. And... Yeah, he kind of understood that he was being let go. But Piper says, even on the WWE documentary, that he found out he was being let go online. Nobody called and told him. You buy that? No, because Vince Vince called him and told him, and um, and I talked to him right after Vince told me that he had talked to Roddy. He just wanted to babyface himself there. You think? Yeah. That's a shame. It, it is, but that's the – he didn't know any different. He was fighting for himself, and he was fighting for his character, and he, he was fighting for, for Roddy Piper. So he, he, had to, he had to keep that – he had to keep that image going, and he had to do what he needed to do and say what he needed to say to protect himself. Well, it seems like going on HBO and motherfucking the company is not enough to get blackballed uh, I think you have to uh, pull a gun on some writers and have a number one podcast to do that. He didn't do quite enough to be blackballed. So he's put in the Hall of Fame in 2005. Are you in the room when that idea is first kind of pitched? It's announced in February of 05 that, hey, we're putting Piper in the Hall of Fame. Is everybody on board with that, or does somebody still have it in their crawl about this HBO shit? I think everybody was on board for it. He deserved it. 
sure. it's time. You got to you got to let bygones be bygones at some point. You just can't hold grudges forever. And people make mistakes and fuck up. So move on. WrestleMania 21. Uh, this is one of the more famous Roddy Piper skits of this time. Uh, we have Stone Cold Steve Austin being a guest on Piper's Pit. Uh, they slap each other, drink some beers. Carlito comes down, attacks both guys. Uh, eventually, everybody gets a stunner and lots of beer. And uh, they recognize everybody who went in the Hall of Fame in 05 at that show. Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Iron Sheik, uh, Nikolai Volkoff, Bob Orton Jr., Paul Orndorff, and Jimmy Hart. So essentially, WrestleMania one goes in at 2005 uh what was the um the feeling about the segment here your memories of the segment was steve excited to work with piper was piper excited to work with steve did this go according to plan the last time we heard about a piper's pit at wrestlemania shit went off the rails how was it here no everything was easy and and i think everybody was was happy to do it and it Turned out great. You know, it's a good, happy, feel-good moment. You get to see everybody, and you get to see everybody kind of how you remember them. Right. So, no harm, no foul. It's all good, and it's nice to have those guys in the Hall of Fame at that point. Uh, Piper's back working as guest referees on SmackDown in May of 2005. Uh, He's doing it on on house shows, too, with JBL in the main event. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, And he comes back and is seconding Chris Jericho, as Jericho would take on Muhammad Hassan, who I cannot wait for us to talk about on this show sometime. Uh, and this is happening on Raw at this time. So most recently, we had seen him on SmackDown. This time, he's over on the Raw side. And he is kind of playing the second a lot. I think they're just really trying to find spots to get him on TV. Uh, because he is always opposing Hassan, but sometimes seconding Shawn Michaels. Is the thought here, let's just look out for our buddy and get him a payday, or is it, it, in Vince's mind, is he still considered a draw at this point in 2005? He was he was still a nostalgia act. He was still somewhat of a draw. But I think that overall, you know, for Roddy, from my vantage point, I, I wanted to work him into whatever we could because I loved working with Roddy, and I felt he deserved it. And there were a lot of old-timers that we would – do things for that hadn't contributed as much as Piper. So I was happy to do it. He's used mostly through the rest of 05 to help build other folks. Uh, they did a segment uh, over the summer where Bischoff was involved and Jericho was involved and Carlito's involved and uh, lots of stuff going on. Eventually he takes a super kick. Um, he being Roddy Piper, uh, he has Mick Foley on his Piper's pit segment. Um, Randy Orton and Bob Orton interrupt him. That sets up uh, a show or a match on SmackDown where Piper defeats Randy Orton and Bob Orton Jr. in a handicap match, uh, which is pretty fun in 2005 uh, for what it is. And uh, he kind of fluctuates around here in a lot of mixed tags and such. Uh, He had some uh, matches on SmackDown where he was a part of a team with Eddie Guerrero and Batista taking on King Kennedy, Randy and Bob Orton. Um, he has Batista and Simon Dean on the Piper's pit segment. And that happens, uh, right after a 10 bell salute for Eddie Guerrero. They do some more stuff with Batista and Simon Dean. 
Uh, but that kind of finishes up 05. But 06 is really where we get to the end of Roddy Piper uh, as an in-ring performer. And he's tagging with, uh, who would have guessed it, one of his real-life better friends dating all the way back uh, to the Mid-Atlantic days, the nature boy Ric Flair. How does this come about? It feels like every time I've asked you a story like this, you take credit for it, babyface the fuck out of yourself, and say, I said, hey, what about Piper? So tell me that you did that here, too. Well, I'm a fucking genius, Conrad, so uh, get over it. No, this was, this was actually something, and I I think this may have been either Brian Gwertz or Ed Kosky's idea to, to put the two together into legends, put them out there, and then as things happen, whoa, fuck, what have made them tag team champions? I'm not saying that was his idea, but it might have been a situation like that, that before you knew it, we had Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ric Flair as our tag team champions. I remember going overseas with them as tag team champions and Piper getting hurt. And, uh, and he, his kidneys were just one side all black and blue and swollen and, and in a horrible way. He needed to get back to the States. But instead, he said, "Nah, I'll just I'll go back commercial. I'll be fine, man. I just I, I I just need a need a couple beers. I'll be good." Which was just his way, you know. <laughs> so he's all ballooned up, and the doctor is telling him he, he needs to go to the emergency room, and he's just worried about getting a couple of cold beers in him, and he'll be fine. But that was you know that was the work ethic of Piper, and it was. A nostalgia act for a little while, having Flair and Piper in that role, and it was fun. So, milk it while you can. Yeah, and it happens on Cyber Sunday is when they win the tag titles, and they had both, they being Ric Flair and Roddy Piper, had both been having matches with different members of the Spirit Squad, uh, and... Oddly enough, Piper tagged with the Highlanders once. I guess they just said, well, they've all got kilts. Fuck it. Put them together. Uh, there so you go. That's kind of an 06. Hey, he's got a kilt. Maybe he help those kids out. Good God. <laughs> Show them how to get over in a kilt, right? Goddamn. Well, you know what? Those guys used to wear a kilt to the building, and, and they wore them in real life all the time, and that, that just got over with uh, Triple H and Vince. They loved that. But then they went and saw uh, TNA on their off day <laughs> WrestleMania and got fired. So I do, do, do. I can't wait to talk about that. But, well, you know, who knows when we're going to talk about the Highlanders again? They went to a TNA show and got fucking fired because of it? At WrestleMania in Orlando, yeah. One of them, um, one of them took his son to Universal Studios, and TNA was recording their shows at Universal Studios, so they went in to to see the recording while they were there somebody spotted them and tna put them on camera and oh hey you can't go to a tna show you're fired something like that <laughs> did he know they were putting him on camera no he had no clue he's just there as a wrestling fan universal with studios. yeah he, he was just there you know coming in like everybody else does to get out of the heat wow does, does Johnny make the call, or is Vince fired up about that? Oh, you can't go to a TNA show. You need to go home. That's pretty much it. That may be my new favorite impression. 
Which one, Conrad? Tell everybody who you're doing. There's some Shuley who's listening right now has no idea who you're doing. Johnny Ace. Did you see how good Vince's arms looked yesterday? Oh my God. That one vein almost made my vein pop out. If you know what I mean. <sighs> it took By us the a way, while. I got the one legged wrestler. He's really good. He's a lot older than you guys said. And it doesn't even look like he's missing a leg. <laughs> he walks around like you and me. It's my favorite. Is that a new haircut, Vince? <laughs> oh, my God. What? I'm trying to get it together. November 2006. Oh, uh, it's a good year, Conrad. <laughs> Rick Flair and Roddy Piper. <laughs> Beat the Spirit Squad to win the tag titles. Uh, does it get more nostalgia pop than this to have Flair and Piper win the belts and then the next night on Raw beat Randy Orton and Edge? I mean, that's crazy stuff, is it not? You think people will believe that? <laughs> if we put it on TV, goddamn, they'll believe it. Seeing is believing, pal. What if they came down on skateboards? Cowabunga, dude. Oh, my. You're really you're really getting into a special area here. Survivor Series 06, Ric Flair, Ron Simmons, Dusty Rhodes, and Sergeant Slaughter are taking on the Spirit Squad. Tell everybody why Ron is in for Roddy. Fuck if I know. Why was he? Because, you know or you wouldn't have asked the question. Because he was just diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh God! Yeah, I thought that was later. And but, the, yeah, it, it it yeah, it sucked. In December, uh, Lillian Garcia announces on Raw uh, that he had been diagnosed, and uh, they were dedicating uh, the match to him. And the Highlanders wore Hot Rod T-shirts for the match. And you would see the Highlanders continue to dedicate their match to Roddy Piper uh, for the rest of '06. So it was a tough time, man, for Roddy. And, uh, you know, I, I know he did more stuff in, uh, in nine, 10, 11 and 12, but, uh, he didn't do anything in seven and eight. He took a break from the business and, and I, and I want to know what your relationship was like with him during this time. Uh, how was he doing? How often did you guys touch base? Just give me something about Piper when he kind of goes, Fade to black on us for 07 and 08. Well, it was, um, it was a rough time. And it was a rough time for him because he just didn't know. And Roddy is the kind of guy that always had control over his surroundings. Or he liked to be in control or at least think he had control. And this was something he had no control over. And we did talk a lot during this time because, uh, as I've said before, my, my wife fights the same battle. So he had a lot of questions, and there was just so much unknown. I tried to get him to, to come to Houston, go to MD Anderson. He was comfortable with his doctors. He, he just didn't want... He didn't want to upset his life he didn't want to sell for the disease mm -hmm. okay 
he wanted he was willing to do whatever it it took to get through it but he hated selling and he and he hated the fact that he had to change some shit in his life right so more than anything during that time when, when we would talk it was more of a hang in there pal um it gets better but he never wanted you know he didn't want anybody to see him he felt that if he was going to be less than he wanted people to remember him at his best times not not when he was not when he was in a fight in that way if that makes any sense mm-hmm so it it was a shitty time for him, and it and it was it was just a tough tough time for him. But he made a comeback, and he beat it. And he made a comeback. He certainly did make a comeback because uh, it feels like we've told this story before. Uh, when it was time for WrestleMania twenty five in two thousand nine, it's WrestleMania season. Let's get Piper on the horn. Uh, now let's get in our wayback machine. I guess it's not that far back now. Uh, Mickey Rourke had filmed the movie The Wrestler, and it was getting all sorts of award buzz. And so somebody has the idea to involve him in an angle. And we will cover that uh, at some time in the future, I'm sure, um, just in passing on a love to know or whatever. But at this point, Bruce was gone from the WWE. But I'm sure you talked to Roddy about working with Mickey he did lots of TV to lead up to it, and he had a match at WrestleMania against Chris Jericho with some other legends. Do you think he enjoyed being in that spot? Did he enjoy working with Mickey and Jericho, or was he kind of against this? Because he's been pretty public in the past that he didn't think celebrities had a role in you know, being in matches and involved. He didn't like Arquette being champ in WCW. He didn't like Snooki or Kevin Federline or any of these guys being GMs for Raw. He didn't like celebrities being in the Hall of Fame. So he kind of had a chip on his shoulder. What say you? Did you guys talk about that WrestleMania match? We did after the fact. It was an opportunity because Mickey Rourke wasn't working in the match. Right. He didn't mind that, and that was a rub for him because Mickey Rourke was red hot at the time coming off of The Wrestler and coming off of the Academy Awards. So it was an opportunity for Roddy to hobnob with a top Hollywood celebrity. I think he liked that. I think he liked that part of it. But um, the funny funny thing about that was before the movie The Wrestler came out, Vince wanted nothing to do with it. And didn't want anybody to see it, didn't Mm -hmm. want anybody talking about it, and in no way, shape, or form would uh, he allow them to advertise on on the show or anything else. He hated it. And fast forward a few months, changed his tune after he saw the popularity of the movie. So let's talk about, um, you know, since you weren't there for any more of the WWE stuff, let's kind of move along to other stuff, so to speak. There's a lot of weirdness around Roddy Piper, and I just want to kind of clear up some of the rumor and innuendo. 
uh, it's out there that he used to travel a lot with Johnny Fairplay. And Johnny Fairplay was famous for being on the reality show on CBS Survivor. He's a big wrestling fan and probably listens to this show. Um, how, how did his relationship come about with Johnny Fairplay? It seems kind of random. Well, Roddy always liked to have someone with him to kind of carry his bags and, and help him get from place to place. And, um, that was Johnny's role. Johnny was his assistant to make sure that all of his travel arrangements were taken care of and get him from place to place to drive and, and do all of those things. I don't know, you know, I don't know how that, how that relationship came to be, but it was an odd one at best. I think Johnny Fairplay even named his, his daughter Piper. But, uh, you know, Roddy just always, you know, always had somebody with him, always had somebody to, to take care of everything for him. And that was, that was just his way. So Johnny Fairplay was just an assistant for Roddy for, for, I think it was maybe about a year, maybe two years, max. And then they had a crazy car accident where these guys were injured. Apparently, Fairplay would say that they were at a bar or a nightclub or something and uh, got loaded. And things got crazy. Piper was going to cause problems, and he managed to get Piper out of there. But because they're both fucked up, uh, they're in a serious car accident where both guys are hurt. And... Piper starts to say that, you know, Fairplay tried to kill him and just kind of goes a little nuts for a little bit. Um, he also did Wife Swap with Ric Flair, and that was uh, on ABC not too terribly long before he passed away. And uh, he had been pretty good friends with Rick um, on and off. I guess, I mean, I guess the whole way through, but you know, in the wrestling business, you're close with, you know, who you're around a lot. And, uh, to the point where one of Rick's grandkids is named Piper. So, I mean, they obviously thought a lot of each other. Do you remember him discussing with you the idea that this wife swap thing may be another foot into the door to some more mainstream stuff? Because I know you guys were close at that point. Roddy just looked at it as it, it was an a, it's an ABC Walt Disney property, right? And he's he's got friends there. It was a way to get out into mainstream. Again, it was just another mainstream hit. He had a lot of different things that he was doing, and, and any time that he could get in the mainstream, he was game for it. He wanted to do it. The interesting thing to me was that Kitty agreed to do it because for so many years. Roddy had maintained keeping his personal life personal and private. He didn't like, and Kitty didn't like, to my knowledge, uh, really being in the forefront and being a part of any of that. So that was always a strange and kind of funny thing to me, that he would put her in that position and that she would allow herself to do something like that. So... But it was it was just an ends to a mean means to an ends, um, get some publicity and, and get his name back out there and stay relevant. Um, if nothing else, Piper was always kind of viewed as being fiercely loyal, and there's rumor and innuendo out there that he didn't really like any promoter, but he thought a lot of Don Owen. and he kind of would refuse to work main events or headline for the WWF 
when he was in Don's Portland territory. Fact or fiction? No, that was a fact. Roddy wouldn't do it, and Vince Vince respected that and honored that. So Roddy never worked, never worked against the opposition against Don Owens, and also uh, Roddy didn't work Portland for Vince until uh, Don had passed away. And in that time, I believe Roddy actually worked a show or two for Don Owens while he was still under contract for WWE. Wow, that's cool. But, yeah, Roddy was very loyal and, and loved Don Owens. Uh, we can't get out of here without talking about the controversy of Kevin Nash. And I, I know you weren't there, but they had a match in 1997. It was a part of a big uh, tag match. I think it was like uh, Kevin Green and Ric Flair tagging with Roddy Piper on one side, Hall, Nash, and Six on the other side. Uh, apparently, both sides had an idea of the way the match would go. They get out there. It was a miscommunication People did not want to work with each other. They get to the back, and depending on who you believe, uh, Nash and Piper went nose-to-nose and nearly got physical. Um, And Piper would make a big stink about this on his podcast before he passed away. And so something that hadn't been talked about for, I don't know, 17 years is now being discussed again. Did you guys talk about this? Was he just working an angle? Was he trying to create some internet buzz? Or was he really half hot about this before he passed away? I never talked to him about it. I, you know, I, I pretty much know just the the rumor and innuendo about it. But the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle between both guys' stories, as as it usually does. Um, so I really don't. I don't know. I never heard Roddy's side of it, and I don't know that I've ever heard Kevin's side of it. Uh, real quick, well, we we got to address it. Um, Piper kind of went into business for himself and created a podcast angle of sorts where he blamed Steve Austin for being fired from podcast one. But in reality, Piper had quit and lots of people have been tweeting me about this this week, but Austin addressed it himself on his podcast and to others that he never had anything to do with this. Uh, allegedly, uh, Austin was upset that Will Sasso had been on Piper's podcast doing Steve Austin impressions, but that wasn't the case. Uh, Austin was not upset. He didn't pitch a fit to podcast one. He didn't get Piper fired. Piper wanted to quit and do his own thing and move his show to SoundCloud. But in the process, Austin kind of got some heel heat from fans because allegedly Piper went into business for himself here, just knowing, hey, Austin is the big man in podcast land. Let me stir up some controversy and work an angle. And then, of course, you know, he passed away. But do you remember discussing with him this Austin podcast one craziness? Because he would even go so far as to say WWE even fired me from my Legends contract, which was also not true, at least from what I know. What say you? Well, I know that he was not fired from his Legends contract. That that I know, and I know that from him. He, he told me he never signed it. So I, I don't know, um, but I doubt I doubt that would happen. As far as the podcast thing, you know, Roddy told me his story. So again, it, it's somewhere in the middle. I, knowing Roddy, knowing Steve Austin, I don't believe in in a million years that that Steve would be as petty is to do something like that. And to my knowledge, Roddy and Steve were always friends and always friendly. 
And I've talked to Steve about it too. And, and Steve was like, no, that never happened. Uh, it, it had something to do with Will Sasso, as you said, doing a lot of imitations and, and having Jim Duggan on and not telling Duggan that it was Will Sasso. Will Sasso stayed in character as Steve Austin for the, for the entirety of the show. And then they let Duggan in at the end of it. So here's what I do know. I do know that prior to that taking place, that Roddy <laughs> was looking to go to what is it, SoundCloud? Yeah. He was looking to move his podcast <clears throat> and do his own thing. I do know that he did the deal, and then, you know, he all this other hoopla came up. So probably I, I would err on the side that, Hot Rod probably used it as an opportunity to plug the shit out of his show. And, hey, here's where you can find him. They left me over here because I did this. Yeah. And create controversy. Sure. Because for the life of me, I can't see Steve Austin. No. Being – I just can't see him doing that. Now, I could see Steve Austin getting pissed off and calling Roddy and saying, hey, what the fuck, man? Or, hey, what the fuck, man? Goddamn, kid. Oh, we're good. What the fuck you done? But I can't see Steve – uh, going around the A to get to the T and, and and costing somebody their job, especially somebody like Roddy Piper. I, I think that uh, just knowing Steve Austin, as long as I've known him, he's a stand-up guy and he's an in-your-face guy, and you know where you stand with him. So I, I think that you know that was maybe just something that Hot Rod created to get some buzz. Well, um Towards the end of his life, he started to uh, think about other things to do, and he was doing a podcast, of course, and he had a comedian on his show, and he was friendly with Will Sasso, and he was starting to do some one-man shows, and you and Roddy had kind of talked about you know, his visions of maybe not exactly being a stand-up comedian, but sort of, kind of, being a stand-up comedian and doing these kind of one-man show concepts, curious through what the plans were and how all of that was supposed to go down before it did. I really, um, how do I say this? I, I tried to prepare myself for this really and truly did. I, I tried to be cold here. Roddy, um, dear friend of mine, and, I, and I, I love him to death. Absolutely love him to death. And the last time I saw him, I had my daughter with me, and we we had dinner. We got together, and, and we talked about things for the future. We, we, had, uh, we had an idea that, that we were going to do a two-man show and go on the road. We had dates booked in Texas. We had five dates booked in Texas that we were going to do a promotion with Rocket Fizz. And we, we were working on that. From there, we, we were going to basically get the bugs out here. And then we had uh, six or seven dates in uh, the U.K. So we were, we were just going back and forth on, on what we could do and, and so on and so forth. Um, last time I, you know, like I said, last time I saw him, I did his podcast. I don't even know if that ever aired, but 
he even put my daughter on the air and interviewed her for part of the podcast, which was which was really cool. Um, the Sorry, I can't. Um, We're not in a rush, dude. I'm look. I'm sitting looking at our, the picture in the book. Um, <sighs> where do I leave off? Um, doing the show. Mm-hmm. We uh, we we um we've been talking, just you know, going back and forth. And I, I was in Rockport, Texas. I was at a friend of mine's, and I get a a message at night, and it uh, missed call. My phone never rang, and and all of a sudden, you know, like your phone kind of. Shoots up, uh, missed call, and a message. And it was Roddy Piper. So um, I tried to get the message, and it wouldn't wouldn't retrieve it because of the area I was in. We went home, and I was I was at his uh, house there in Rockport, a friend of mine's. And. My phone rings the next day. It's another friend of mine, and he says, hey, man, uh, how you doing? I'm like, hey, everything's good. I'm down here in Rockport. And he says, um, some shit about Piper. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, well, what did he do now? Because Roddy had just been on TMZ for some outburst or something he had done. And... um I said, oh, fuck, what do you do now? He says, oh, my God, you don't know. I said, what? And he said, man, he's gone. And it, you know, it, it, there's some guys and there's sometimes when you, when you hear that, you go, okay, I expected, I knew it was going to come. And you're, you become callous in this business. You really fucking do. And I, I remember I, I was in a in a room full of people, and my I met eyes with my wife, and she just knew something was wrong. And, and I walked out, and I went down to the water, and I immediately uh, tried to listen to my message from the night before, and I couldn't fucking get it. And I called. I kept calling Roddy's number, and it kept going to voicemail. And I went in and I checked my phone and, and I, I saw the TMZ deal. And right about that time, I, I called my buddy at TMZ. And I asked him, said, what the fuck happened? And he told me that, you know, they just, he, he passed. So I hang up with the guy from TMZ and I, I just try one more time to listen to that fucking message. And I get the message. And it was Roddy. And he says, hey, you know, um, 
I just called. Uh, I just got in. I've been on. I've been on the road. I was up in Canada, and I just came home. Uh, not feeling real good. Uh, I think I'm going to go to bed. Just called to, to talk to you and tell you I love you, and, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. That was it. And he was gone. And I, I reached out, um, you know, to Colt and, and Kitty and everything. And Colt got back with me and says, hey, you know, uh, you were the last person he called. And I always just kind of, I don't know, man. Uh, and he died of natural causes, man. He had a heart attack in his sleep and just passed. But it just, you know, it eats me up that I, I missed that call. And um, just, just fucked up. But, um, you know, I, I talked to Cole afterwards and I, I helped them with, uh, with the book so they could help, um, so they could finish the book that he had been working on. And, you know, that was it. But but that one, man, they're, they're like I said, you become calloused, uh, which I'm not proud of. And fucking Roddy hit me, and it hit me hard. Uh, especially, you know, last time we were together in person and, and just, you know, we talked about life and death and, and, and health and it just sucked but um, yeah that that's the that's the story man and, and I miss him to this day uh, he was a big influence in my life he was a big influence in my career <laughs> I <laughs> This, this sums him up in, in some ways. When he met my wife for the first time, and he he, he looks at her and says, oh, "What do you need there? You, you need some towels? You, you need a toaster? <laughs> what do you need? Uh, what can I get you?" Um, that that was Roddy. He, he was always thinking about everybody else and 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 what can he do for you, and. That's the guy that I choose to remember. That's the guy that, that I love. Um, he was really good to me. He was really good to my brother. Um, he was the guy that, that I called when my dad was in intensive care for for 18 days straight. That some bitch talked me down off the cliff more times than, than you could ever imagine. And, and that was my friend, Roddy Piper. So... Uh, There you go. Love it. Piper passed away on July 31st, 2015 in Hollywood, California, which is where he had a home at the time. Uh, his death certificate said that it was due to cardiopulmonary arrest caused by hypertension, and it listed a pulmonary embolism as a contributing factor. TMZ reported this all as a heart attack. He has four children and four grandchildren, 
and he's one of the rare cases who was married since 1982 to Kitty. He died a month after Dusty Rhodes. Uh, it was a bad month in wrestling. And I, I, I broke the news of Dusty to Roddy. I was at the uh, Mid-Atlantic Fan Fest in Charlotte when the news broke. And, of course, it spread like wildfire there. And I was the person who told Rick, and he thought uh, I was ribbing him. And he got half hot and said, don't fuck around. Because no one could believe that this had happened to Roddy Piper. Um, In his HBO Real Sports interview we talked about earlier from 2003, he talked about the fact that he had to go back to the WWE that year because he couldn't access his pension fund until he was 65 years old. And he said, I'm not going to make 65. When he passed away, he was 61. Yeah, we used to joke we wouldn't make 30. So we both got to beat the odds. Well, man... I don't want to finish on a downer here. I know we can't tell the story without talking about the end. Yeah, you know what, man? I, but I'm sorry. I, I I swear to God, I prepared for this. I, I prepared that that I was going to tell the story and and um all that good stuff. But but let, let's end with that some bitch influenced so many people in the business and he with without roddy piper I, I don't know if there would have been a brother love i don't know if there would have been a brother love show i don't know if a guy like i'll, I'll even throw brett hart out there would have been able to make it size wise in the business because roddy broke every barrier put in front of him he he did change the rules. He made the rules, and then he broke the rules. And he was a pioneer that will never, ever, ever be duplicated because they definitely broke the mold when they made Roddy Piper. So he uh, – man, there, there's just so many positive things, and, and, and people tend, tend to dwell on, on the negative and and – you know, we, we did we did a lot of things, man. Uh, we, we did a lot of drugs. We drank a lot of booze. So I, I remember pussyfooting around that, talking to his son, Colt, when they were going through the book. And he says, Bruce, he goes, my dad, my dad went over all that with us. He's, he's told us everything. And I was like, OK, cool. You know, and, I, and I've, I've had the talk with my kids. Hey, your dad used to party. Um, I don't anymore. But there was a time and. Roddy had, had done the same thing. So yeah, we, we ran, <laughs> we ran in some fun circles. Um, you know, couldn't do it today. Wouldn't do it today. But at the, at the end, like the night we were sitting there having dinner with my daughter, uh, in, in, in Irma's in, in Houston. And he looked at me and goes, man, he goes, have a beer. He goes, I, he had quit drinking. And he said, goes, I hate it when my friends don't drink around me because, yeah, I feel like it's my fault. I just laugh. I said, no, I actually just don't want one right now. But, but it's good to know I can. 
Um, but he, you know, he cleaned up quite a bit there at the end and, and was, he was living life to survive his, his daughters, you know, had gotten married. He was so friggin' proud. And, you know, those grandkids, he, he was like, you know, it, last time I, I saw him, I just looked at him and just kept calling him grandpa for the rest of the weekend. Cause he was showing me pictures of his, of his grandkids and shit and being proud papa. So, but that's, that's the guy that everybody should remember and know that, that, uh, the motherfucker lived a hundred lifetimes. I mean, man, most people wouldn't be able to survive the, the life that Roddy Piper lived. 10 people might not have been able to survive the, the life that Roddy Piper lived. He lived it to the fullest man. And, and, uh, nobody can touch him. So. So let me challenge you, if you're listening right now, uh, to go out of your way to check out a few things. First of all, uh, Rowdy's book. It's called Rowdy, The Roddy Piper Story, and it's by Ariel Toombs and Colt Toombs. Colt is his son who is uh, trying to make a name for himself in the wrestling business. And if you want to keep up with him, you should certainly follow him on Twitter. He is at Colt Toombs. Toombs is spelled T-O-O-M-B-S, at Colt Toombs. ColtTombs.com. You can also keep up with him there. But pick up the book. Go out of your way to check it out. If you haven't seen the movie They Live, uh, it's worth a look. And I think it's on Netflix. It's on one of those online delivery services. I've watched it there recently. Uh, And you should probably check out, just for the sake of this show, the WrestleMania 5 segment with Brother Love. Uh, And I would encourage you to check out WrestleMania 8, his match against Bret Hart. Uh, If you still want a little more Roddy Piper uh, his Hall of Fame speech from 2005 is available on the network, I believe, and at once upon a time was. And I'm positive that Legends House is there. And uh, Piper is one of the stars there. And I encourage everyone to go out of your way to kind of binge on some Roddy Piper and celebrate the memory. Uh, in the UFC, he had uh, a little more life with Ronda Rousey, who called herself Rowdy Ronda Rousey, with permission uh, Gino, Judo Jean LaBelle was the, the common person there who kind of lined that up. And, uh, I'm sure we'll do lots more about Roddy Piper. I'm sure there's lots more great stories that we can share. Um, but this feels like an appropriate place to wind it down. Uh, Roddy did lots of movies and guest appearances too. If you just want to cruise over and check out his IMDB, uh, it's pages and pages and pages worth. Anything else that you'd like to mention before we end our Roddy Piper episode today, Bruce? No, I'm sorry for being a downer at the end, but, uh, hey, it is what it is, and, and uh, Piper's a man. He was a man, that's for damn sure. Well, let's get into it. Uh, we want to go ahead and hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. He is at Bruce Pritchard. Which WrestleMania do you want to hear about next Friday, right here on Something to Wrestle With? Bruce Pritchard. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.